Hello! It is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, September 14th, 2021, years after zero. Also my mother's birthday. Happy birthday, Sally McAfee. We have a massive show today. The cast dog, Matt Castle, stops by. AJ Hawk is here. The boys. If you enjoy the show by the end of it, please be a friend. Tell a friend. If not, just act like it never, ever happened. Uh, that'd be cool. You know, two ships passing in the night. Let's get to it. Let's have a goddamn Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, huh? Coming off, obviously, not a great game this past weekend in Duval, playing against the New Orleans Saints, losing by 35 and having one of his worst football games we have seen. What will be on the mind of Aaron Rodgers? Well, Aaron Rodgers want to talk about maybe Monday Night Manning? Ooh. Hey. We are at the point of life where we are a bit jaded because of how much sports media we watch. Sure. Yep. Okay. We are... Tough critics, I believe, but I think it's it's just because we appreciate whenever good things happen as sports fans ourselves. So whenever some things happen, we go, oh, how'd you fuck? For instance, Joey Chestnut, when he ate his 76th hot dog oh, boy. in 10 <sighs> minutes on the 4th of July in the world in America needed to see that. Obviously, the production froze and everything like that. And we're like, hey, listen, ESPN, we understand you're the worldwide leader. You have the rights to everything. You got Disney's bank behind you. We appreciate what you have done, not only now for sports, but for our entire lives. But there are some things that need to be tightened the fuck up, we think, during some of the coverages, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. They got it right with this Monday Night Manning. And I don't know whose idea it was. I don't know if uh, Omaha Productions... Omaha Productions is the one that pitched this idea to ESPN. They had to greenlight it, so that is still a massively good decision that a lot of things get said no. Whoever's idea this was, however they ran it, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, There was one person that tweeted me the gif of Kurt Angle with... uh, 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 It was like a beer hose, uh, but he had milk shooting out of it from back in the Attitude Era (laughs) WWE when he and Stone Cold Steve Austin were going at it Mm -hmm. or whatever. It felt like it was football information coming out of a fire hose. And you were literally just sitting there taking it all in going, holy shit, I knew nothing about football, yeah. I realized. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At one point, Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson, who I love, I would like to take back everything I said into a microphone just a couple days ago in front of a crowd of 70,000 people in front of this man. Russell Wilson, Peyton Manning, and Eli Manning talking about decisions that were being made and plays that were potentially coming and coverages that I didn't even fucking know that what everybody's role was supposed to do while they were talking about Derek Carr's performance was unbelievable piece of content. I mean, it was an unbelievable piece of content. It was amazing. Russell Wilson called a couple plays that were about to happen. <laughs> Peyton Manning was calling out what the defensive coverage was immediately as they were coming out of the huddle. Peyton was in the game yesterday. It, it appeared, you remember when Urban Meyer was working with Fox? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. On the sideline? And by the way, Urban Meyer might be... I mean, if rumors are true. Whoa. We'll talk to a gentleman named Michael Lombardi, who is a uh, former NFL general manager and uh, part of the Patriots coaching uh, staff and advisory and everything like that. He's won three Super Bowls. He's he's an author and everything like that. We'll talk to him about a tweet that he put out yesterday, which was basically like, hey, uh, my sources are telling me Urban wants to go back to college. And then this USC firing happens... 
Something's brewing here. Oh, it's wow. Michael Lombardi tweeting. We'll huh. talk to him in like 25 minutes about his tweet about Urban. What does he know? How does he know? And USC coach did get fired after a few years of being terrible. So we'll see how that whole thing pans out. But you remember Urban Meyer whenever he was doing the big noon kickoff and they do an Ohio State game or it was a national championship game and Fox was on the sideline. It was literally as if Urban Meyer was still – I think he had a fucking whistle oh, yeah. around his <laughs> suit on the sideline as he was watching the Ohio State Buckeyes. It's like one of those things that – if it's it's in you. It's you. Watching Peyton watch that game, it was he. I think this is what he did, and I'm not 100 sure. I uh, might be wrong. I've not asked him, but I think he watched film and got the the uh, strategy from the offense quarter. I think he watched film for both quarterbacks. I think he broke down both defenses. He said he had uh, personal relationships with every coach, by the way. If Peyton Manning calls, everybody's going to ask you that PB and J story, Jim Harbaugh, uh, whenever. Uh, Peyton was working out for the 49ers or something. This must have been whenever he was potentially going to be a free agent. And it was uh, Marty, who's uh, or Wink, who's the uh, defense coordinator for the Ravens. It was Peyton, that Duke quarterback coach. Uh, Cutcliffe. Cutcliffe. Mm -hmm. And then Jim Harbaugh, I guess, were at the workout. And they were working out somewhere. And I think it was Cutcliffe's wife, maybe, or somebody asked, like, on the way out, like, hey, do you guys need anything? Want anything to eat or drink? And Peyton and Eli were like, uh, she was clearly not what it was just the right thing to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Peyton goes, I said no. Cutcliffe said no, thank you. Uh, Wink said no. And Jim Har Harbaugh goes, Yeah, I'll take PP and J. Peyton said that he'd been waiting nine years to tell that story. He said, I've been waiting nine years to tell that story. And I think those moments where he had the helmet on, he was even in the game, and they did the uh, John Gruden, Derek Carr situation, and they were trying some shit out, I think, early. The best part about it was when you were watching Peyton watch football for a game that he prepared for to play him breaking down the defense oh this is cover zero here we go they're coming yeah. now in this particular coverage you do not want to throw the ball out why the fuck did he do? basically as Peyton saying about this he that's where they want you to throw but that it can't be where you go then another uh, a missed pass will happen like targets like Peyton hates targets mm -hmm. I, I think the fact that targets is a stat he absolutely hates because last night Darren Waller targeted 19 times and, and Peyton's like, what's this targets? Like targets, like he was the person that the ball was supposed to go to? Why is that a stat? And I think he was saying that because some of the balls were uncatchable right. and it almost seems like, hey, the wide receiver can say uh, they can tell the wide receiver, you were targeted this many times. It's almost like, uh, like so they don't get pissed off thing, but that was fucking awesome. It was a home run. And congrats to the Raiders getting a massive win. Yeah. They won one game. Peyton predicted after the first play of the game that they're only going to win five more this season. <laughs> that was amazing. There were so many moments through there. I'm very thankful that whoever green-lighted it, green-lighted it. It was awesome. I think they need a pregame show a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's where you can get you know, maybe a guest or two out of the way there. Mm -hmm. And then I think, because I think get, watching him kind of get into the game for both quarterbacks was awesome. Like, we need to, and there's going to be people who say, hey, don't cut off, uh, he cut off Russell Wilson a bunch. Russell Wilson was awesome on there. But like that intensity of Peyton, mm -hmm. I think we need to see that every week. It's like he's playing the fucking game almost. That was amazing. And Eli chimed in a couple good liners. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful production. Great game. Congrats to everybody at Ty Schmidt. Your thoughts as a studied film critic. Yeah, I mean, it's Peyton's show. Like, people are going there. I mean, and last night just reinforced it. It's not like Eli was bad or anything, but, like, you can tell, like, Peyton does. He's preparing like he's playing in the game. And just, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Some of the stuff, like, you, that you could nitpick uh, with, like, the audio mixing where sometimes it would cut off them and you'd get, like, uh, you hear the game. Like, I assume that's just, you know, first week they'll clean that kind of stuff up. 
fire alarm. Fire alarm, oh, exactly. Hey, that's like, going to happen. Right. Hey, that fire alarm's going to happen. You don't have any control. And all you need is one little beep, beep, and then all of a sudden the whole place is insufferable, okay? There ain't nothing they can do about but it. But, like, to your point with Russell Wilson, I feel like there maybe aren't that many people who can kind of disarm him like Peyton can. Like, he, he acted like a human being last night for what I feel like the first time in, like, you know, sen- yeah, since he's been the Seahawks quarterback. Like, Jeez, he, he usually is just so bad. Oh, 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 by the way. Yeah, I decided no more of that. No, I'm I'm, I'm paying him a Thank massive you. compliment. Yeah, but you kind of did your little thing where you uh, jab. Yeah, you know. A little. Well, I, I I most people would agree with me. Every time you see the guy, you know exactly what's going to come out of his mouth before it comes out of his mouth. And like last night, it wasn't like that. You, I was like, you know, waiting. Like, oh, I'm actually very interested to like see what Ru-. like that conversation was incredible. And I wish we'd get more of Russell Wilson doing that and less of Go Hawks. And I think, <laughs> dude, Go Hawks, dude. He's go not Hawks. doing what he wants to do. I don't like that they go Hawks all over the Colts, though. I mean, they oh, go yeah. Hawks. All over the Colts. Yeah. yeah. Colts will be back. Hey, Kenny Moore, wish my mother a happy birthday this morning on nice. Instagram. Oh, that's nice. nice. Speaking of happy birthday, Happy birthday, Sal. Happy birthday, Sal. Happy birthday, Sal. Happy birthday, Sal. <laughs> but that Monday Night Manning is a, if you love football, mm-hmm. like you're going to love that. Got to be there, there. There was a couple people that said they couldn't do it because it was too much or something like that. It's like once you catch up to the flow of what they're saying and how they're doing it, though, it's an unbelievable experience. Legit. I, I feel like I learned more watching like two quarters last night than yeah. I have yes. in maybe 34 years of existence in football because there's only a few quarterbacks. And I think that's why the Russell Wilson Peyton Manning thing was so cool because I'm not saying Russell Wilson uh, wanted to do this. I'm just saying it provided him an opportunity to showcase that, hey, everybody talks about how smart everybody is. I just want to let everybody know, like, hey, I can call plays too. If yeah, we have yeah to. I got it. I know exactly where a ball's supposed to go. Me and Peyton are about to chat about what we see whenever we look at coverage. I mean, it was just, it was strictly ball almost. And then Russ, Dangerous Wilson, by the way, I mean, he knew I took back what I said. Yeah. Like, he was just uh, yeah. trying to rally the troops right mm-hmm. there. Because he had a blast talking ball with the sheriff and easy on Monday Night Football. Mr. Unlimited. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. dominated last night. I mean, I loved it. That was a home run. Congrats to ESPN. Congrats to Omaha Productions. And congrats to Peyton and Eli, I guess, at this point, because he hasn't been around as long, for crushing everything you do in retirement. I mm-hmm. fucking love it. It's awesome. Last night was a game changer for sports media. At Boston Connor, your thoughts? I mean, I loved everything about it. Ty's mentioned the uh, production a few times. You heard the producer come in going, hey, Peyton, we got to go to break five, four, three, two. And I mean, you can't have that, although I could rush to the bathroom real quick, so I wasn't missing any of the game. Ray Lewis came on. And when he came on, him and Eli talked about Eli calling Ray Lewis the mic and Ray Lewis saying back to him on the field, I'm not the mic, Eli. And then Eli (laughs) telling his whole team, all right, Ray's not the mic. Listen to Ray. It's the other guy who's the mic. I mean, the stories were incredible. And like you said, when you listen to those guys who are so cerebral and just like incredible at football. Six hours a day of watching film on top of practice, they're going to be much smarter than you are at football. Yes. And they like the way they can break everything down. I mean, Peyton legitimately, I think, could call every single play for the Raiders by just watching what formation the defense was in. It was incredible to watch. I loved it. I feel very, very, very bad for Steve Levy and the boys on ESPN because the, the ratings come out at 4 o'clock, I believe. I'm just going to tell you now, they got slaughtered. No. They got absolutely murdered. Listen, I'm remember, sorry. we thought this about, I think it was on ABC as well last night, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it was on ABC it as well. So, so ABC is on Ratings will be massive. Yeah. Ratings will be massive mm-hmm. for that. Just like, remember, we thought the Nickelodeon one was going to be much higher than it was and we thought, maybe, is CBS lying about what the Nickelodeon did yeah. because our entire world last night my entire world 
was watching the Manning one, except yeah. for Mitt. Right, true. I had no idea that Mitt was literally the only person that I have ever encountered, I think, in the history of my life that watched the regular Monday Night Football. Yeah, he's a and I like Steve Levy, okay? I oh, love yeah. Lewis Riddick. I, I, I love Greasy over there. Yeah, and so I love the, the everybody over there as human. I do. I enjoy the hell out of them. But you're not... <laughs> Nick, stop looking at me like that, dude. Come on, Nick. You can't be staring over Ty's shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> your eyes that large. What is your issue? What did I... Who? I love Greasy. I love oh, him. Oh. <laughs> I do. I, I, I never met Greasy as a human, but I, I would assume I would enjoy him. Louis Riddick has always been cool to me. Steve Levy's always been cool to me. That's mm -hmm. what I'm saying here, okay? Like, they've always been very nice. But you're getting to watch the Mannings do Monday Night Football. You're going you're gonna to at least flip over there and then once I started seeing what it was going to be I think once again there was a couple things they tried that maybe the timing didn't work out or maybe it was too rushed too quick however the case whatever it is early with some of the skits it might have turned some of the people off I guess if you want to watch but if you were listening to words being said it was stupid and the story's incredible that Eli Manning with a 0.0 QBR <laughs> against Ray in the first game mm -hmm. and then bringing up footage and clips because they have that shit from yeah. way back mm -hmm. and the ability to do that absolutely incredible there's a couple follow-up great stories to the interactions that you just referenced right there so obviously ray told eli his rookie year in a couple games that uh ray was not the mic <laughs> yeah okay so eli looks at diva 52 is the mic oh eli i ain't the mic <laughs> and eli go all right ray and then he would just point at somebody else <laughs> and that was it and he ended up going 0, 0.0 worst game he said he's ever had probably it was a nightmare obviously and ray just laughing in his face on the monday night man yeah. it's so funny but i think there was there's a payback story that peyton did not recall but i think a lot of people know there was a game colts versus ravens close to the end zone we're driving in we're in the red zone and peyton is literally telling ray lewis you have 12 on the field ray you have 12 on the field ray ray you have 12 on the field and ray lewis goes like Starts looking around. Timeout. We did. We did. Okay. <laughs> and it's like that type of thing. I did not know that there's like, hey, a mutual respect. Yeah. Like, Ray was fucking with Eli, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I think like the fact that Ray told Peyton, once I saw how much film you were studying, that changed the way I completely prepared. Like the respect level between, because they're competing against each other. Everybody tries to pin quarterbacks against quarterbacks. It's always normally Mike versus quarterback, unless you have it savage safety or something you get mm -hmm. it but normally it's mike is calling plays on defensive side of the ball making the shifts making the motions everything like that reading audibly normally this could be different not with different teams and then you got the quarterback trying to do the same thing and them pointing out like oh Derek made a audible and then the ravens defense made an audible and then they caught Derek carr all happening in six seconds by the way yeah listening to peyton be like oh Derek just saw this was cover zero and then uh basically peyton i think peyton or ray was like raven saw was new that they audible that and they checked it as well and then Derek had to roll out and throw it out of bounds it was like normally the analysis of that is oh they had everybody covered this is the perfect coverage mm -hmm. for this this is a good call by whoever made it listening to them be like no 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 Derek just made a check and then immediately upon hearing that the linebacker made a check and changed what they were and it was like you're seeing they always talk about chess game between coordinators mm-hmm and Peyton, I think, was always the guy that people considered as a coordinator, which they should have. But what we actually got to see in real time and get pointed out by two of the best to ever do it was like, no, there's a lot of shit happening very quickly that even though it's mic'd up, nobody fucking knows what's going on other than the people that are in there. That type of shit is what I live for. And I think that is why 
I just thoroughly enjoyed last night. It was a fucking home run. Well, that's also why we see why ESPN was like, hey, we'll give you $85 million to do mm. Monday Night Football because when he's on, it is can't miss TV. I mean, yeah. it's fucking awesome. Like, they're, they're, you know, to Connor's point about feeling bad for the other booth, it's like, I mean, it's Monday Night Football. It's dude. Monday Night Football. Like, like, hey, this is fucking Monday yeah, Night Football. And if we can get the Mannings yeah, on there. Yes. And part of it, too, like the game was great last night. So we got to like, you know, we I mean, who knows how much it'll change if it's a blowout or whatever. I mean, I feel like they'll loosen up and maybe tell some more stories. But they they were both. I mean, they were invested in the game and the game goes into overtime. And, you know, it, I mean, it was just a great night. It yeah, was awesome. I'm more worried about when, you know, the seven games that they're not doing Monday Night Football having to go back because they're not doing every single Monday Night Football No, game. no, I think this is business here. Like, hey, look what happens. You yeah, know, yeah, I think they, they gave each other, uh, you know, and it was. I would assume it came from the Manning side in this negotiation. Yeah. I would assume they said, well, let's do a certain amount and have a mutual good faith conversation on whether or not, you know, like we opt out, you opt out, or maybe we just make it 10 and then if we revisit it there for later. Because what's going to happen if this keeps oh, steamrolling? Yeah. Imagine will. what that check will be for. And, uh, I don't think I'm saying anything out of pocket here. The Mannings do the business. Uh-huh. They, they, they do the fucking business. Yeah. They, they, they do the, uh, okay, good, let's make this work. Yeah. You know, let's, let's figure it out. Work. They they do a lot of that. So, I mean, that's well documented. That's public. That's everything. And there's a reason why, you know, the Peyton's Places now has an entire portfolio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I assume College Bowl will have another host, we assume, that will continue to be Omaha Productions. I assume there will be more. They are going to build a fucking media Mm, empire. They're they're making Eli's places. Eli's getting his own. That's one of the. Part of the. Yeah. So there's also, I think Big Poppy's getting one. The only reason why I know this is because Omaha Productions tweeted me telling me this thing starts at 8, 13 p.m. (laughs) stat or whatever. And I was like, because at 8 o'clock I go over there because on the guide it said Monday Night Manning. I go over there at 8 o'clock. And it's, uh, no offense, I love these guys. But it's Levy, Greasy, and Riddick on my screen. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, hey, by the way, Levy looks good. Oh, yes. Yeah. Levy looked good. I assume the open was good. But I'm like, uh, am I missing? I thought I was missing something. They tweet, no, we're starting at 813. I go to their Twitter account. Their header or whatever is the Peyton's Place's, like, Umbrella, umbrella, basically. I think Wombat, Abby Wombat, is getting. Oh one. yeah, uh-huh. I think she has one. There's a couple others, I believe. So they're gonna build a it was streaming incredible. service, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and then for the game itself, I mean, fucking incredible game. Couldn't have asked for a better start. Free football, huh? Free football, oh, wow. free football. Uh-huh. Monday night football. I mean, there was a lot of things happening in that game last night. Darren Waller was getting a lot of looks, and John Gruden went after the after the game was asked why he got so many 19 targets. Which is a fascinating stat. Yeah. Now that Peyton has pointed out that, like, target, what does that even mean? Like, because there was one play where they actually overthrew Josh Jacobs and somebody else, and Peyton was laughing about the entire thing. And, like, it, immediately upon seeing that, he was, well, who was targeted there? You know, because yeah. it, <laughs> it was who was targeted there, how was it targeted? I think that whole thing. But John Gruden came out and said, Darren Waller is the best football player I've ever seen. Mm. Or Darren Waller is the best football player I've ever seen. Watching him just run oh routes, he's so smooth, so silky. He's a rapper. His story is incredible. He's come on this show and crushing it. And it was his birthday. I'm 
incredibly happy for him. I'm happy for the Raiders, and I'm happy for my bet of the Raiders and the over. Hell yeah. Now, we do have a gambling show that happens from this office, mm-hmm. and they happen to be the hottest gamblers on earth for the last four months or whatever. It's been unbelievable to watch. They've been giving out their picks publicly and still winning. That is against all gambling gods, basically. At some point, maybe the gambling gods will find out about this little show happening out here in the middle of nowhere, but hopefully not until at least the end of the season. Yeah. Yesterday, at Tone Diggs, who's the host of Hammer, Don, alongside at Bubba Gumpino, uh, he was forced into giving a pick for last night's game. Oh. And I didn't know that was the type of fucking operation we're running. I thought first Monday night football game, Monday night Manning, I thought there was no reason we had to bully you into picking a loser last night. What's that all about, Tone Diggs? There's five things I care about in my life, Pat. Okay. Faith. What? Family. What? Football. What? My job. What? And my goddamn gambling record. Okay. 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 <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I'm not going to put my record on the line for some Mickey Mouse Monday Night Football game. Whoa. That game, great game. Exciting. There was five total fumbles, an interception. It went back and forth. Ravens were four, or Ravens were 81 and 0, up 14 points under Harbaugh. 81 and 1 now. Like. I'm not putting my fucking record, which is all I have in my life. <laughs> well, you have Besides beautiful family. Tom. That's family. Family's number two, right there behind Jesus Christ. Right oh. behind Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm not putting my fucking my record on the line for a game like last night where I had no idea what was going to happen. And and you got and, bullied. And I got bullied into taking the. Fucking Ravens. Yeah. <laughs> 14, 14 points, 81-0, came back and lost. I mean, I'm just not going to do it, though. I'm not going to get bullied again. Okay. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Can't get fooled again. F- fool me three times, can't, can't get fooled again. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Is it, is it yeah. three? I, I, I was trying to remember which oh, yeah. one it was, but... <laughs> Can't be getting fooled anymore, huh, Dix? I can't. Because a lot of us were saying, hey, Raiders seem like the obvious pick here. There's no such thing as that. That's not a thing. Well, in this particular case, well, we've said that in a lot of cases, and it was not. But (laughs) in this particular case, the reason why we thought it was an obvious case was because the Raiders are always surprisingly good early. Yep. Yes. They are always they always win games early, and then all hell breaks loose, and then we all, at the end of the season, react the same exact way. Are they going to blow that whole fucking place up or not? <laughs> yeah. And we completely forget about how good they are at certain points during the season. For whatever reason, though, they just haven't been able to piece it together. Now, they were in Oakland. They moved to Vegas. There's this going on. There's that going on. Get rid of this guy. Whole new offensive line. Denzel Good was a locker mate of mine. He is an absolute stud. Mm. Great guy massive human being. Yeah. Him getting hurt last night is just another problem that they have. In a, I mean, they completely turned over with Incognito still there. I mean, there's a lot of things they got to do. But they always seem to win early. And they win games that it's like this. And I think it's because they're in the same division as the Chiefs. I honestly believe that. And I, and I think it's because everybody kind of writes them off. But I thought that was a pretty obvious one last night. And I was trying to bully you into helping that number five. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was trying to help you. Not a, Thank you. Not in your faith. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to test your faith a little bit mm-hmm. every once in a while with some things we got going on. Your family, you work long hours, so, you know, that, I do apologize <laughs> for that. Football, we do a lot of that. Yep. Your Thank job, you. I mean, we're lucky that, that you're here. But that last one, that record that you love, I was trying to help you out with the Raiders. I thought this was something like, hey, I've been in that stadium. Okay, they're not going to be able to serve food to anybody after Correct. the first quarter because their entire uh, BTS machine or BFS <laughs> sure. machine or whatever mm-hmm. it is can't operate well. I mean, I was out there for SummerSlam. That was, it was not a great. Those fans are going to be pissed. They're going to be loud. Oh, yeah. And right. Derek Carr had to quiet them down. You know what? They couldn't fucking drink or eat anything. Yeah. They probably pissed. couldn't even operate. And they're going to have to leave that place six to seven hours of traffic oh, getting out of there. Oh. I mean, 
that's why they were loud. I mean, they're probably going to be loud all the time. We got to remember that going forward. I kind of knew that, though, is what I'm yeah. saying. We tried to help you out. Well, but- yes, the Raiders, home puppies, which I love. Dogs killed it this weekend. They are always good at the beginning of the season. It was going to be electric in that stadium. But then on the other side, Harbaugh was the best week one against the spread coach since he's come into the league. The Ravens has, uh, haven't lost yeah. a week one in five years. But then they had all their injuries. So I just wanted to stay away. I just wanted to watch Manning's. Commentate on a football game Mm -hmm. and enjoy my Monday night. Instead, I was fucking pissed. Hey, Peyton said that quarterback position is a position where you can't be, like, upset, can't be mad. That's right. Like, you got to be, like, kind of in a zone. You know, he he wants his running backs mad. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. love when a running back's pissed. Like, this is awesome. Like, let's go ahead and do that. Quarterback can't be do that, though. You got to go to the sideline, get a deep breath, do the whole thing. You can't be making picks when you're upset, pal. Can't be can't do it. Know. Bailey McCombs did bully you though. He did. he did, and that is a situation that would That's probably why I be... have him muted on Twitter. <laughs> Tony, no, Tony. You can't be muting people Tony. in the office. That's unbelievable. Well, I blocked Foxy last year because of what he did to the Steelers. True. But you guys have reconciled. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've made a deal on that. How about the Ravens though? Lamar Jackson's still Lamar Jackson. Yeah, freak. yeah. Marquise Brown looked real good. Great, he had a couple great catches yeah. there. That Kyler Murray like play, the Madden like play, where he threw the touchdown yes. there across the back. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson is absurd. I mean, that, that's literally the only way to describe. He's at this age still going, still faster and more athletic than everybody else on the field. It feels maybe not Max Crosby though. Ooh, oh my gosh! How about that? He yeah. looked great. He could move a lot of tweets last night from Raiders fans saying like, "Hey, is he not the perfect Raider?" By the way, yeah. this guy like <laughs> a lot of people are saying like Al Davis would love this guy. So he's also sober, I believe, for a year. Uh, Darren Waller, he said, was inspiration to him. They're now teammates, leading the way on both sides of the ball. Whenever he, you know, he had to set an edge. And usually with Lamar Jackson, that's going to be impossible. But he flattened out and chased Lamar. That was yeah. incredible. He had a couple sacks on mm-hmm. the hold. He goes straight to the oh, uh, yeah. bow and arrow. Yeah, yeah. What is this thing? Uh, quiver. quiver. The quiver. Yeah, he went to yeah. the quiver. <laughs> Interesting yeah. about him. Um, in 2019, they had the fourth overall draft pick. They drafted a D-end. He was a healthy scratch last night. They drafted him in the fourth round. He's a captain. He's incredible. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm so happy for him. He looks so fast. Yeah, very good. And what's up, Foxy? How about them saying that halftime adjustments are all bullshit? What was that all about? Yeah, I love that. I loved hearing that specifically because <clears throat> most people would think that Peyton would be like the biggest halftime adjuster of all yeah. time mm-hmm. because that's like his thing. So for me, I never really knew what happened at halftime because kickers and punters, snappers, we go in, go to the bathroom if you got to go to the bathroom, grab like a protein bar or something like that, and then we're back out. So it's literally like I'm in, I'm in the locker room for as long as I need to be because I'm trying to get back out on the field because there's a full field so I can actually hit some balls and see what the winds may be doing. How has it changed since the beginning of the game, which was two and a half hours ago? So like I'm trying to get on the field. At halftime, though, I always knew the offense gathers in one, the defense gathers in the other. There's guys out in the middle maybe getting an IV or whatever. But I I never heard, like, full, like, hey, they're doing this, so we're going to start doing this and this entire thing. So I I never really knew, but I love the Peyton and Eli. We're like, there ain't enough fucking time. I mean, I guess we can change a couple plays, but you – to really change everything, I guess, you would need a, a very extended Super Bowl-like yeah. halftime, I guess. That was fascinating to hear, though. I, I mean, I made a lot of adjustments at halftime, personally. I mean, that wind could be going a complete opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, Tom, we need to be fucking punting that way. Yeah. I found a jet stream. It's right up there. That is where we need to go or whatever. But I guess on offense and defense, not as much as we would think. What's that going on? Well, with the Surface Pros now, aren't they kind of making adjustments like drive to drive because they can go back and look at what they're doing on each possession and Instead of, you know, wait until halftime to make these adjustments. So did they give him money, you think? Um, the Hey, we got to get to a break. The um, 
What are those things called? Surfaces? Yeah, Surfaces. yeah Microsoft. They're a sponsor. Did they give Peyton money, you think? Oh, Peyton did. Uh, that's what the surfaces are for. And he, <laughs> yeah. he literally did. Uh, they're doing this. They're doing this. And then that, that's what it's for. And it was cut off half. And then he literally just like had to have. It went back. Yeah. I was like, oh, Microsoft, smart. Yeah. 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 Right. Because yeah. that would be a. And then he had the Exos yeah. controller. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they weren't cutting to that sometimes. There were sometimes where he had the actual game instead of the replay. He was talking a couple times over the regular thing. They was yeah. doing a replay. They'll figure that all out. Right. Yeah. Hopefully. I can't wait to watch. Joining us now, though, ladies and gentlemen, a man who is the reigning MVP of the NFL, a man who started a book club just one week ago, obviously did not have his greatest football game this past weekend, but there are still 16 games to go. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. What's going on, bub? Hey, I, I got the I got the light working. That special thing you sent me is working. I'm I'm illuminated now. Let's go! Yeah! What you wanted? Hey, well, it's not what I wanted. Okay, I just wanted you to be able to you know rest your arms because on Tuesday, especially late in the season, you were holding that thing and it looked like you know I don't want to be the reason why anything happens to your arms or anything. We just thought you know you deserve a chance. Take a load off. Sit back. Have a conversation with a couple guys. You know what I mean? Thank you. Thank you so much, Pat. Appreciate that. All right, let's get right to it. You see AJ, he's in a hotel in Los Angeles. He just got back from the Met Gala thing, and uh, he'll be, his, te- his <laughs> Wi-Fi will be terrible. I just want to let you know, and it has been already, but we will figure it out as we go. First question, let's get all, right into this thing. What the hell happened, you think? If you had to just go back and analyze what happened, I know we probably buried the ball, but what the hell happened down there in Jacksonville from your eyes, Aaron? <laughs> buried the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that's a reference to. Yeah, yeah. That's a great reference. Thank you. Way. Thank you. I feel good about it. Uh, yeah, man, it was one of those days. You know, you play long enough, you're going to have uh, have one of those. We had one of those last year, too. So we've had you know, a couple of rough ones in Florida, unfortunately. But, you know, uh, I got a few. The few text messages that I did get went something like this. Hey, there was a team that lost 38-3 to last year to the Saints that won the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, okay, thanks for that. Well, I don't know what kind of lining that is. You just like, you know, trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit there. But uh, <laughs> you know, it was a, it was a rough one for us. Offensively, we were bad. Defensively, we couldn't get off the field. And uh, you know, you turn around there. We had a minute nine left in the first half, and we, you know, seventeen nothing, and we'd run twelve plays. So it was one of those weird, uh, weird games where. Seems like the clock is just running the entire time, and on offense we weren't in the rhythm at all. And you know we came out second half and had a good drive together, and then I threw a pick, and that was basically the game right there. Everything just kind of turned at that point. Hey, what do they do? What's the Saints defense do to make it like that? To make it a rough day? I'm from watching it a lot of times, and I asked. We had Matt Castle, the cast dog, on before you. Cast dog. He said he. I asked him like, "Hey, is there times when like guys just legit aren't open, or those windows are tiny?" It felt like that watching the game. Like, what, is, what do teams do to do that where they can find a way to kind of take windows away and also put pressure on you? Well, kind of the opposite of how they played last year at the Superdome. Last year, without Devontae, it was a lot of pressure. Uh, Malcolm, I feel like, blitzed a bunch of times off one edge. Uh, uh, Davis was blitzing a bunch. Um, I think there was almost 50% total pressure. This year was very, very minimal pressure, so they just kind of set back and a lot of too high stuff, and then some disguise, some good disguise too high, where they're kind of shading the safety to one side of the field, 
and the backside safety is kind of inserting for uh, three going vertical or doubling. Uh, a lot of times, Devonte backside uh, if the uh, opportunity presented itself. So it was a good job. You know, did a nice job stopping the run with the front, uh, you know, front four, front six ish. You know, it was a light box most of the day. Um, so when they're stopping the run with the light box and they're uh, covering the gear in the back end, it's going to be, uh, you know, a tough day if you can't. Uh, can't find those tight, uh, tight windows. I've said this a couple of times. I think I actually heard, and I don't know if you said it aloud or not, but whenever you were in your end zone and uh, it was that second one that was caught by the other team, I actually heard, I think, fuck it. Is that, did you say that uh, into a microphone or how, how, did, how did I hear that? Was that in my head? I heard you say that or was that actually you? Because I think that was a pass that a lot of people looked at and they were like, that's not, Aaron, that's not what Aaron Rodgers do. Were you just trying to take a shot seeing if MVS was down there or did you know maybe this was like a punt if this thing gets picked off anyways? And uh, did you get to the point where it was like, fuck it in that game, which would have been understandable? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't have said fuck it at one point in my mind, <laughs> but I don't think it was on that play. Um, no, you know, it was just, they were like I said, they were playing the backside safety there, uh, low on the backside. Devontae had a corner on the backside. I was thinking he was going to kind of stay with him and kind of double Devontae. And when I took my eyes off him, he did a nice shot, went back to the middle of the field, and I obviously overthrew uh, Marquez on that one. I do want to talk about the first one, though. Okay, and yeah. I think that there's have to be multiple ones, but for those of you who went back and watched it or, or will go back and watch it, um, I don't like to make a lot of excuses for interceptions. You know, there's some shit ones. There's some, you know, ones you wish you had back. There's some ones that really aren't your fault. That one was entirely due to the double nut shot I took. I'm going to go back and watch it. But I stepped up in the pocket. I was going to throw across my body to Devontae. He was going to shallow cross. And, you know, it's a ball I've thrown in practice before. I didn't feel bad about that throw. And right before I'm throwing it, I took a left kind of clothesline that, you know, A.J. Hawk or Brady Papang clothesline. And somebody on the right, you know, with a right kind of cross, uh, double nut shot that, uh, you know, I guess I got to overcome that and throw a better ball in the situation. <laughs> That was that was a painful one. I, I do. Uh, they got their money's worth on that one. Okay, and my last question before AJ and the boys get into this beautiful conversation: uh, There's going to be people with Aaron Rodgers, which is obviously you've been with Aaron Rodgers the longest out of anybody. But anything you do is going to get speculated, criticized, and everything like that. You coming on this show and being this relaxed, people are going to talk about, oh, he doesn't care. The game, obviously, with everything that happened in the offseason, oh, this guy doesn't care. How do, is there any reason to address those things uh, by you? And if, uh, if I'm out of line for even asking a question, obviously tell me to fuck off. But that's things that are being said immediately after a performance like that with that offseason. What are your thoughts on that? And what was the locker room, you know, afterwards around you? We saw Bakhtiari, obviously. But what is the team like? Is this a bunker match? mentality situation you think now uh, no I mean I think it's it might be a freak out outside of the facility uh, I think it's just a you know it's a good learning lesson for us you know we can't we can't play like that we can't start a game like that I feel like I said after the game our energy level was a little bit low before the game um, you know we got to do a better job responding to adversity so look there's not much to say we got our asses beat you know by 35 points uh we're all frustrated about it, but you just move on. We got 16 more to go. 
you know, we can't dwell on this one and let it impact this next week. We got FC North opponent. We got a Monday night football game. Um, any any great competitor, you know, is never okay with losing. But I think the response has to be, uh, you know, the thing you, you set your mind to. Or you know, this is Tuesday already. You know, Monday, yesterday, you know, you watch the film, you flush it, and, and Tuesday you start moving on to the next opponent. Hey, what about halftime adjustments? You hear people, especially commentators, say, oh, this guy's great at making halftime adjustments. Can you really do a whole lot? You have, what, maybe two and a half minutes with your coach during halftime after you take a leak, and who knows what else you're doing. You're attending to your double uh, ball shot. you got to get that fixed. Too. Now, hey, he's asking this question. I don't know if you saw this, because Peyton Manning and Eli Manning last night on the Monday Night Manning basically said, like, everybody talks about these halftime adjustments, and Peyton and Eli were like, who has the time to do that? Like, is that even a real thing? And I think that's why AJ, who didn't get to see that because he was traveling to that yuppie affair that he's at right now, obviously black tie, this whole thing, but is that real, or is there some more work you can get in, depending upon what stadium you're in and how long that walk is. Is AJ at the backup Met Gala? I didn't see him. On <laughs> yeah. <the> Probably. <laughs> like, Probably. The backup, backup. Backup. Yeah. Look, I think halftime is interesting. There's, I think there's opportunities for conversations, but a lot of time it's the coaches huddle at one point and the players have conversations. So I don't think you get a massive wholesale changes. I mean, a lot of teams might have a first half plan and a second half plan, but I think for us, it's just about what little conversations can be had about things that happened that we can adjust to better in the second half, or what did we see from a protection standpoint, from a pressure standpoint, that we have to do a better job. I they hit us with the pressure in the first half, a lot of times they're probably trying to hit us with the same pressure in the second half. So I think those are the most important conversations to have, but massive wholesale changes, I think that's one of those you know, sports talk things that, uh, like Peyton and Eli said, is not, you know, doesn't really happen. Did you watch it all last night? Uh, you know, per my usual, uh, I had it on mute to start. And then I realized that Peyton and Eli were doing that over there. So I clicked over and enjoyed that a lot. Uh, those two, I mean, they've been trying to get Peyton on there forever. Um, and it's nice to, to see those guys. They got to obviously... They got a good rapport with each other, and, and it was good having uh, you know those guests on there as well. Uh, Peyton's going to be watching film like he's you for this upcoming <laughs> yeah. Monday Night Manning. But that's what it felt like he did. He watched film as if he was the Raiders' starting quarterback. He even reached out to a couple of the coaches to hear what plays we were running. Then he did the same thing on the Baltimore side. And watching him go through that game, I assume it's pretty similar to how you watch a game. Is that accurate? Like it's hard to watch games as a fan once you become like this incredibly cerebral, successful quarterback. Is that how you watch every football game? The same way Peyton does there. I think so, and the thing that I enjoyed was actually from Eli when he was commenting about the people in the crowd. I mean, that's <laughs> him and him and Fate talking about, you know, some of the uh, the folks in the crowd, like the guy, the big dude had the shirt off and stuff. Like, that's you know, that's kind of how I watched the game too. But but I feel like they dispelled some myths of of watching the game. I, I'd have to think about, it. but just in the moment they were saying things that you know some sports. Analysts will say things a certain way to, you know, make it seem like they know what they're talking about. But watching those two guys, like that's, that's how we watch games. You know, it's it's ball. It's not that like crazy uh, up and down. You're kind of looking for similar things and and thinking about the same type of things like Peyton was talking about. You know, getting the ball to wall. Uh, you know, big tight end and 
and you know, marveling at the way Edwards came through in the fourth quarter. And the rest. Like, that's how we watch a game. Like, you're watching individual players and situational stuff. And I thought it was it was brilliant. And, and if, if you know, I'm around and watch Monday Night Football again, I'll probably watch those guys. I think a lot of people are going to. And I think the Mannings currently have the ESPN, like, in a quite a predicament money-wise. Yeah. I mean, that's going to have to be something. And I can't thank you. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers joining us right now. Ty, go ahead, pal. Aaron, you mentioned a couple people talking about the Saints beating the Bucks last year, 38-3, and, and obviously them going on to win the Super Bowl. The last time you threw two picks in a season opener was 2010 you guys ended up winning the Super Bowl. I assume you knew that, and that's why you decided to throw the two <laughs> interceptions. Is that the case? And also, you mentioned getting hit in the nuts, and you, you took a couple shots. How do you feel physically today? Uh, I feel good. I don't think I took uh, that many shots. Um, one of my first days playing football in eighth grade, uh, I wore a cup. Now, that it, that was my, my last day wearing a cup. <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing that again, but uh, definitely thought about that after that. Uh, hey, big one. Get a big one, you know, obviously. But I'm just saying. The Duke. It's called the Duke. It wraps all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, I didn't know. I didn't remember that uh, at the top of my brain until I also was texted that by a friend. So, you know, I got about six texts. I think two-thirds of them had to deal with uh, – Something around the 38-3, you know, Buck Saints game, or the fact that I threw two picks in Week One of 2010. So. Hey, this is positive people around you, though. Hey, man, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, and they say, you know, sometimes you got to go through rough times to find your treasure. That's what the boy had to do, and obviously, we'll talk about, you know, uh, the alchemist. Oh, yeah. Uh, at yeah. the end of this thing, at the end, we got some more questions before we get to the Aaron Rodgers. Book yeah, you book. read it. Pat read it all for sure. Are you kidding me, dude? It's about finding your own personal legend. Why don't you fucking do it, AJ? Huh? Why don't you read a book okay. and maybe find your own personal legend? I'll do it. I'll read. Let me get the Cliff notes, like you. Send me your Cliff notes and your outline that Connor or Ty gave you. That's Never heard of Cliff. Never met the guy in my life. I want to let you know. I actually, <clears throat> excuse me, it's right here. I mean, if we're going to have this conversation, let's have a goddamn conversation. Look at this. We got, we got, uh, we got pages folded with arrows in there. I don't know if you're going to be able to see it. I got arrows. I got arrows got in there that were obviously done at a different time. Can you see? <laughs> Look at that. That was my favorite paragraph. Look at that. I said, hey, let's read nah, this you one. You can't see it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing my, He ran his fingers slowly over the stones, sensing their temperature and feeling their surfaces. They were his treasure. Just handling them made him feel better. They reminded him of the old man. That, that gave me chills. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That gave me absolute chills. And we'll talk more about this at the end. There's still some more football questions. But thank you for recommending this one. Got my nose into the book. You know what I mean? That's right. It was a real page turner. Some people told me they were staring down a midlife crisis after fucking reading this thing. But I, uh, I'm excited to continue to live my life. We'll talk about it at the end. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Aaron. Yesterday during that Manning cast, uh, Ray Lewis and Eli Manning talked about this time where they actually had a little conversation uh, back and forth at the line of scrimmage about who the mic was. Have you ever had those with any players on the defense? and Or is it usually just after the play, you'll just talk shit and told them, yeah, I told you I was going to score a touchdown here? Brian Urlacher and I had a, a number of conversations play. Uh, I love playing as Brian. He's a fierce competitor, a great player, and the funniest guy on the field. I mean, he would intentionally make up dirty checks. So they had to do with, you know, reference – or slang of private parts or whatever you might your mind could go to that's where he would go for his uh his adjustments 
You got me here or am I fucking glitching again? Yeah, well, you're glitching, but you were good. You were in the middle of a great story. And this is AJ's fault. We do know uh -huh. that. And it's nice to know that AJ Hawk probably was doing the same things as Erlacher to keep you prepared in <laughs> practice. But those little moments there. You just put people off. His coach, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's a scumbag, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, bad reputation for the kids. I mean, what are bad? I mean, what are you doing? That's not for the kids, AJ. That's what the NFL is. There it is. Yeah, wow. dirt unbelievable. But that little give and take between the quarterback and the mic that's happening. I think last night during the game, Ray Lewis and Peyton talked about this. Derek Carr made a check because it was cover zero, and there was only like six seconds or seven seconds left on the play clock, and the defense made a check immediately after his check. Derek Carr rolled out, threw the ball away. Is there a lot more of that than we are ever told? I did not know that was happening like that. I knew, obviously, coordinators and Peyton's a coordinator. You're a part of the play call. I didn't know it was happening like that, like check, check, mate almost happening. every. Is that every play? And is that with all teams? A lot of teams or just some of the teams? At least some of the teams. Yeah, not all the teams. Some of the teams will do that. It, it takes all 11 being on the same page, and I think a lot of D coordinators maybe worry about the uh, checking to a, you know, uh, against a check and what that does to the, you know, the communication for everybody. But uh, Chicago used to do it all the time. I mean, we'd be in uh, in our two-back set, and I would check to, uh, we'd be in a, you know, have a run on, I'd check to a pass, and Erlacher would check to Tampa too. I mean, it just happened, and then I'd throw a check down. Then we'd come back, they'd bring, you know, they'd line up in, you know, 59, bring the free safety down. I'd check to, you know, double Puma, he would, you know, which is a pass, he would check to Tampa too. I'd throw a check down. It was like this this thing. So I started having to dummy check, and then he would dummy check, and then he would say some crazy shit, and I would laugh, and then all discombobulated, man. It was a good time. That's awesome. Hey, when the floor is the guy in your helmet, right? And the speaker giving you the plays? Yes. And so that cuts off at 15 seconds on the, the game clock. Is it, like, common for every team to try to break the huddle with at least five, ten seconds before that so he can give you some info at the line? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know that they were doing that at one point in, in L.A. when the system went in there. But uh, I told him on day one I didn't, you know, I didn't want that. Um, you know, 15 seconds is there for a reason, but once we break the huddle, uh, I don't need any any insight like that. I mean, I don't, I don't know if some guys are still getting that. Some guys want that, but I... Some guys uh, will, won't they? Where they're like, hey, hey, it's cover two now. They got too high or whatever. Like, they'll make it right before the 15 seconds cuts them off. I don't know. I mean, you have to ask those guys. I'm not I'm not asking for is that. Is that too much? Is that too much for you? You don't, want, you don't need that in your ear at the line of scrimmage because those 15 seconds when you figure out what you're doing? Yeah, I don't need that. I, I can read a defense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a lot of people can't, though, right? No, in college ball, by the way. College college is insane. College, it's insane now. No, There's no cadences for most teams. The, you know, the quarterback is not involved in any type of protection schemes. And they're looking over the sidelines to get, you know, in, uh, you know, during the play adjustments. It's different. Let's not say. every quarterback's like, they're like, you know, that's why you've seen certain guys be able to step in and, and, and play well uh, in the first few years. But it is different. Okay, so whenever you're talking about protections and shit like that, I think we all saw that you were, you know, potentially not in the best spot, most protected spot. Is that something you and LaFleur will talk about this week and be like, hey, we obviously don't have Bakhtiari 
for numerous weeks. Maybe there's more question marks than we had thought with a young offensive line. Will that change how you guys – now, obviously, MCDC is listening to this and everything like that, but is that a conversation you and LaFleur have? Are you and LaFleur comfortable enough at this point, three years into this thing, where you guys can, like, almost – I don't want to say tell the truth because Russell Wilson said tell the truth Mondays, but is that conversation happening immediately after that game? Are you guys – when when do you and LaFleur kind of meeting of the minds after a game like 38-3? I mean, right away, and then, uh, you know, conversations yesterday and today. But by the time you get to Tuesday, you got to you got to start to put that thing to bed. I mean, you got to move on. Now, Tuesday today was like a Monday for us because we're playing Monday Night Football, um, so we had to revisit some of the things uh, as a group. But you know, at some point, you got to you got to move forward. So him and I have different conversations probably than some of the other guys, just because it's important that we're on the same page all the time. Uh, I felt like the offensive line played really well. I felt like Elton played really good left tackle and Billy a right tackle. And the interior guys, the two rookies, played well. Um, and Lucas Patrick, I felt like the protection was solid. Uh, I gifted them one sack, and that was it, you know, on, on a on a keeper. And other than that, there were a couple, you know, nut shots and, and a couple hits. And, I, you know, I feel like the protection was pretty good. All right. Hey, that's an incredible leader there, by the way, because the rest of the world is burying the offensive line right now. You probably know that you're a very observant human being. I appreciate what you just did for your boys there. Go ahead, Tone. Aaron, I believe you've told us in the past that you don't really go out early for pregame anymore. Will that change this week? Because I assume you're going to want to have a conversation with Motor City Dan Campbell and kind of get a feel for who he is as a coach. I might have to wear some knee pads. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the statements I've heard. Uh, no, I don't think I'm going to go out. I, <laughs> I, I did. I used to go out, you know, a, a lot and just kind of stopped doing that. Didn't feel like I needed to. Then when I was injured, I need to warm my calf up for a couple of those years. I would go out a little early, especially when it was cold. But, but no, I don't, I don't feel like I need a lot of throws to get warm. Um, and a lot of times when you go out and you're trying to just – warm up it turns into you know a hangout session which is fun sometimes if you really know you know you're really close to somebody on the other team but then you're like man i've been out here for 20 minutes i've thrown three footballs what am i doing you know it's like so i'd rather just stay inside go through my process you know zen out get some stretching you know text aj all the good stuff. Oh, man, that's awesome. AJ's a part of your pregame routine. <laughs> I don't know if you did that on Sunday. Fucking knock him out of the list, if that's the case, after what happened down there in Duval. Yep. Uh, after your off season, obviously, and when you came back, you seemed to be in a great headspace, seemed to be very comfortable with who you are, where you are, what you are, everything like that. After that game, a lot of people thought, you know, like, maybe this whole thing would change. You, It still feels like you are in a very good spot. Is that accurate, or is there any reason for any Packers fans to think anything differently or worry about anything? You have the utmost confidence in this team, this roster, and yourself still, right? Yeah, I do. I mean, that's that's uh, that's why I'm back. You know, I love this, uh, love the team. Feel good about everything that we've done in the off season, uh, training camp. You know, I felt like uh, you know it was solid. We had good practices. I know that, you know, a game like that allows all these speculation to come into play. Should we have played in the preseason? You know, should we have done this? Should we have done that? And we got to deal with it because we just got our asses whooped. That's fine. You know, but, you know, what's going to happen down the line is going to happen. And, 
we know how this thing goes. It's a cycle, and right now we're taking on the chin, which we should, and pretty soon it'll be flipped. So, uh, hell yeah! But me, per- me personally, I'm, I'm doing great. You know, I'm, I'm confident and, and happy and excited and, and love these guys. Competitor, like I said, frustrated about my performance and our performance, but uh, this game is uh, is about how you respond to negativity, usually more than uh, how you're. Uh, hailed for your successes hey that's a great quote and i by the way this ain't no cupcake conversation by the way Uh just put your feet to the fire there you've obviously handled it in a beautiful fashion we can't thank you enough last week you started something that i never thought my name would ever be a part of i got quote tweeted by like one of the biggest authors in the history of the world i actually opened up you know a book and hey sometimes the universe is going to send you some things you really have to think about moving forward you know and you just got to read those omens and live your entire life the alchemist was amazing what do we got for this next week i cannot wait to dive back into the another batch of pages of stuff dude what are we doing this one might be a little a little more dense for you i love the alchemist it's an easier read than this one great read great read but not necessarily a better one um, okay. And I thought it was fitting here for a, a couple of reasons. One, we just had 9-11 a few days ago, 20-year uh, uh, anniversary of that fateful day. I think all of us in our age group kind of know where we were and what we were doing. Um, but uh, my good friend, who's uh, it looks like he's writing me as I'm looking here. Um, you're my great friend, uh, Pat. But AJ, thank you. Uh, Many people maybe remember this or maybe don't, but I believe this is true. You grew your hair out with your fellow linebackers uh, as an homage to Pat Tillman. Is that correct? Correct, yes. That's awesome. So the book that I've chosen this week is one of my legitimate all-time favorites by an author who I've read many, many of his books. He's a fantastic author named John Krakauer. And this book is called Where Men Win Glory. And awesome. And see if I can get this here where the light's... Yeah, yeah. It's called "Where Where Men Win Glory." I like that look there, but it's by John Krakauer, and it's it's uh, it's about Pat Tillman, and Pat Tillman um, is definitely an inspiration to me and so many of us. Uh, a man who walked away from the NFL and a multi-million-dollar contract after 9/11 to serve his country uh, with his brother became an army ranger. I'm not going to give away the entire story. There's multiple things I love about this book. One, much like Krakauer, who also wrote Into the Wild, uh, which was turned a movie, Into Thin Air, about Mount Everest, uh, Under the Banner of Heaven as well, which I've read. Um, he gives incredible historical context in his books. So he does, if you love history, he does a great job of telling you the history of Afghanistan, and it's very relevant today, as we've just pulled out of Afghanistan, obviously, and he talks about the 70s and the 80s in the USSR and their attempt to uh, kind of take control of that region that's so resource-dense uh, and not just, you know, opioids and poppy fields, but it actually has a ton of, you know, trillions of dollars, I believe, in resources. And Krakow does a great job of breaking that down in his book. But more importantly, uh, the story that really hits you. And I know you want to jump in there, Pat. I'm sorry, but I'm well. Charlie Wilson's war. I was going to refer to Charlie Wilson was a part of that whole thing. I was going to really look smart because a lot of smart people are going to see this. So I wanted to put myself over. But you were in the middle of a great thing, so I shut the fuck up. The best part about it is is learning more about Pat Tillman and Pat, uh, which I didn't know. Um, he's a deep thinker, and he, like myself, kind of grew up in and around the church, but at some point really dove into Eastern religions and 
and uh, meditation and philosophy and journaling. And he was a very curious guy, and he had a lot of interests outside of you know football, uh, but also a very loyal, patriotic person as well, which is why 9-11 hit him so hard, and he realized, I need to do something. So he went to Afghanistan, his death. There's a lot of, uh, uh, I think, cloudiness around his death. I'm not going to, again, spoiler alert. Um, I, I want people to read the book. Uh, it's a special book to me. I know AJ has read it as well. I actually, I've given it away so many times because I love it. I had to go to Barnes & Noble uh, to Shut pick up. it up again. So I'm thankful for that. I gave them a heads up as well about uh, Where Men Win Glory <laughs> and also a little sneak about what next week is because I've already picked out next week's book. But Anyway, big shout-out to John Krakauer. Love his writing. Shout-out to uh, Pat Tillman's family, all the great work they've done at the Pat Tillman Foundation as well. Um, and I'm glad that you say you read, but I know there are a lot of people that hit me up during the week thanking uh, us for talking about reading and for talking about the authors, well, including the author. Hey, shout-out to you, by the way, for bringing eyes to reading again. And I think the reading community seems to be very thankful. Uh, the Alchemist went right up to the top. I cannot wait to check out Where Men Win Glory. Is this a... Uh, last week was a, uh, a fiction, a fake, right? This is a not fake? This is a uh, non-fiction? This is a non-fiction, yeah. Nailed it. Okay. All right, let's, let's go. Hey, I got a real quick question for you, Pat. Aaron, is this... I mean, it's amazing. Obviously, this book is great. Crack out all of his books that you mentioned are really good. But it just hit me. Is this – are you throwing shade at LeVar Burton and you want to be the next Reading Rainbow type guy because oh. you're eventually going to take over for Jeopardy and you don't think he should be the host? Hey, you don't want that smoke, Whoa. I don't think. Jeez. I mean, that dude, I'm a, I'm a big you. Jordy Reports fan. I'm a big Reading Rainbow fan. So, no, I love LeVar Burton. If he got the Jeopardy job, man, that would be awesome. All right. That'd well, hey, we if I got the Reading Rainbow job, that could be cool too. Man, bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> that could be really cool. Uh, we appreciate you for joining us, chit chatting about an incredibly difficult day, and also framing it for all of us what the future will look like. Can't wait to check out where men win glory. Book two of the Aaron Rodgers Book Club. We are selling shirts at the store. All proceeds will go to a reading advocacy group or program that Aaron chooses at the end of the season. Let's continue to build this thing. Let's continue to enjoy life. And we can't thank you enough, Aaron. You're the best, dude. All right, Chuck Norris and me say thank you, and we love you guys. Oh, we love, love you, too. You too. Man. All right, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah! Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes... Let's not come too quick. Oh, <laughs> here we go. I get it. <laughs> that is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> they should. That was, I think they're going in a different direction. So let's go back a sentence or two. Okay. Okay. When you, when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes, and guess what? Ha! Lasts a long time. Banging it, banging it, banging it. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. Boom. That's right. Dingers. Downtown. Bingo. David Occup- er, Population, you dude. Hell yeah. 
Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. Ooh. That's huge. Free? The shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the yeah, medication. Free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Um, ladies and gentlemen... A man who has his own podcast, his own email, he's an author, he has three Lombardi Super Bowl rings, uh, and his last name is the same as the Super Bowl trophy. Ladies and gentlemen, Paisan Michael Lombardi. How are we doing? Is the lighting better? I appreciate it, Pat. You make me look good here. Yeah, you look amazing. We didn't do anything, obviously. This is all you. Um, (laughs) You look absolutely unbelievable. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, let's get right to it. You had yeah. one of my favorite tweets I've ever seen in my entire life, Lombo. <laughs> you saying, hey, I got some sources down there in Columbus, all right, that I trust. They're telling me that Meyer might not uh, might love going back to college. The timing of this move for USC tells me there's something brewing. Not sure what, but something. Obviously, everybody reads that and goes, oh, is Lombardi saying that Urban Meyer's going to take this USC job? Is that what you're hearing? And how did this come to be? Because this story, not just from you, but it is hot on the internet streets right now especially after watching urban meyer fail on sunday with jacksonville yeah i mean the urban meyer he 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 needs to read my book about the middle eight he violated that but let's talk about that tweet so i'm just minding my own business yesterday watching tape and i get a text from somebody in the league and they said urban to usc and i said no way and the guy says you want to bet on it and when he said that i'm thinking wait a second here he knows way more than i do he's asking me the answers to the test that he already knows so i said well tell me why and he said look everybody in columbus and this gentleman's from columbus knows that maybe pro football may not be sitting well with urban now they're going to deny all this we all know that right they're going to say oh no urban's loving it all that but when he was working for Fox, everybody in Los Angeles and Columbus thought he was going to take the USC job. But Clay Helton is the ultimate survivor. And I found it interesting that for all the times Clay was going to get fired, after Stanford was the time they decided to fire him. Like they were not going to give him a chance to recruit the season, right? Like that makes no sense. It's only the second game of the year, right? Like, he could really come back. He could come back and Uh, win all the rest of his games. Like, you pull the plug now, that tells me there's more to it. It's what we call, again, second-order thinking. There's got to be more to this than just meets the eye, and that was the tweet. It was an incredible tweet. I mean, it set it set our office ablaze. Yeah, because oh, yeah. as soon as we're like, we're like, Lombo knows people. This isn't like a, Lombo's not just sending this out there to get clout. Like this is not Lombardi. Like, no. oh wait a minute, here's a little piece of information. I think that people will enjoy. If he was to leave Jacksonville after everything that has gone on down there between he and the cons and him and Trevor Lawrence and everything like that. What do they do? They just act like the Urban Meyer era never existed. Do they clean house? Do they hire from within? What do you do there? 
Oh, well, I mean, look, they got an attractive job. They got a marquee quarterback, and they're going to rebuild their team. Now, you know, I mean, I think they've gone through a little bit. When you just look at the staff he's assembled, I think he's got a lot of people that maybe he needs to figure out how he wants to run the staff. He's got Daryl Bevel, Brian Schottenheimer, you know, two ex-coordinators. I don't know how that works. Joe Cullen, the former defensive line coach for the Baltimore Ravens, never called defenses before, never been a coordinator. Now he's the coordinator. Special teams has gone through a, a change. I think this, I think Urban is a really great recruiter. But when you enter the National Football League, you have to be a strategist. You've got to be somebody who understands the game all the way through. And it's no longer about recruiting. It's no longer about understanding we're going to just out-talent people. It's about outsmarting people. I mean, the perfect example was Sunday. You know, he's down 20 to 7, Pat. He's down 20 to 7 with 59 seconds left to go. They send Trevor Lawrence out on the field. Houston has three timeouts. He calls three straight passes. Houston gets the ball back. It's 27 to 7 when halftime starts. Like, that's just no awareness to the game. Like, you can go out and run three straight passes when you're playing Illinois or when you're playing Northwestern, right? You can do that. That's not a problem. This is the National Football League, right? You can't do that. You've got to be really smart about what you're doing. And, and, I'm, and I'm not saying Urban's not smart. I'm saying er, there's a learning curve. You've got to really understand it. It takes some time. It's just not, hey, baby, I'm showing up. I got this down cold. Don't worry. I was winning all these national championships. It's a hard league. Hey, it's the men's league, right? I think that's how we yeah. all have kind of viewed it. It's it's the all-star game of all-star games. And if you listen to the Manning broadcast last night, you could hear the brains that are in the NFL. And no, I don't want to say, once again, no offense to Urban Meyer. Okay, this is no offense to Urban Meyer. But in the NFL, all the smartest coaches are coaching there. Okay, now there's a lot of doofuses as well, but there's a lot, all the smartest coaches are, all the smartest players are playing there. So it's not just like, hey, our best players are going to win. You got some teams that aren't as talented that are much more intelligent and have better schemes. They're going to win some games over other people. I mean, it is a vastly different sport, college football and NFL football. I mean, those are two different sports. If Urban leaves after one fucking game, that would be (laughs) so awesome. I I would be so pumped up about it. Uh, A couple of the boys have some questions for you, Lombo. Go ahead, Ty. Lombo, after the Packers game on Sunday, obviously everyone went crazy and said that Rodgers should have been there at camp. He wasn't prepared. You can't do what he did in the offseason and come out and perform like that. When you're looking at something like that, does that matter at all? I mean, or is that just the kind of thing where you just kind of say, okay, whatever, season starts next week, we're going to be fine? I mean, LaFleur was there the whole time. They're one for 10 on third down. They got 228 yards. You want to blame Rodgers? I mean, they couldn't block them. It was a classic example. You know, they put Billy Turner over at right tackle back. Their offensive line struggled. I mean, look, you can blame the quarterback. He's going to take all the heat. But the reality of it is, is every time LaFleur and the Packers play against a really good coach like Sean Payton, you don't see the emphasis. I mean, think about this. LaFleur got the head coaching job at the Green Bay Packers. He was 0 for 10 at Tennessee on third down against the Ravens. And he got the head coaching job still without performance. I mean, at some point, you got to rally up to the big games. And I just haven't seen the Packers rally up to the big game. Heat and humidity were going to be a problem for the Packers in that game, right? You know, they had to figure out a way to balance their team. You're just not going to go down there and throw 50 passes against the Saints when you're playing on the road and it's hot and, you, and, you're, and your receivers are tired. I thought it was really – I think it was a total team embarrassment in terms of their execution, their planning, their strategy, and their, and their – 
readiness to play in the game. It has nothing to do with the offseason. It has nothing to do with the – I mean, Russell Wilson had an offseason. He was getting traded 17 times. He had a list of demands. <laughs> he played pretty good the other day. Hey, like, yeah, that's just a good. joke. Russell Wilson played too good. You know, he, he, needed, <laughs> he needed to take it down a notch or whatever. Uh, you Were you a part of the team uh, with the Patriots up there? Chiefs come in opening night, blow the doors off the place. Alex Smith was there. Were you there or are you just watching as a fan at that point? Uh, but no, I was. That was. I wasn't there for that one. I mean, look. Andy no, no. Reed's but what's sixteen and zero in the month? Of no, September. no, no. Yeah, I agree. And Patrick Mahomes has eleven and zero, and he has thirty-five touchdowns, zero interception. I'm not talking about that. What is what is the message after that game, though, from like Bill Belichick? You think like Matt Lafleur? What are you telling? Because Aaron Rodgers' big thing was, hey, I played bad. Whatever. Let's move on. We got sixteen more games. How do you go about saying like, "Hey, we just played the worst football we've played in a long time. It's our first game. We got a lot of time to go." Like, what is the messaging you think? Like, how did Bill handle that? How do you think the uh, floor should I, handle that? I can tell you exactly how Bill handled it. Bill would said would go into the team meeting on Wednesday or Monday, whenever they had their first team meeting, and said, "Look, fellas, we've done it your way. Okay." It doesn't work. We're going to do it my way from now on, okay? <laughs> We're not going to turn the ball over. We're not going to have eight penalties. We're not going to be two for five. All the things we talk about we didn't do, we're getting back on the bike. And we're going to start doing it my way now. You know, I've listened to you guys long enough. That's it. And I think, really, if LaFleur is a leader, he walks in his team room on Wednesday and says, look, fellas, that was a bad job by me. It was a bad job by getting you ready to play. It was a bad job on our execution. We all stunk. Let's start this thing and let's prepare one game at a time. Don't think about anything more than the next team we have to play, which is the Detroit Lions. The NFC North is all 0-1, too, so they literally can all say, hey, season starts next week. Because everybody in the division is at the same place. That's what you need to win to get in there. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Michael, it seems every single year this happens with the Raiders and they start out hot and then kind of fall (laughs) off. From what you saw last night, do you think they're kind of more of a complete team and they're taking on the identity of Gruden? And also, what the hell happened at the end of the game where he walks out the kicker and then brings him back? Well, I mean, look, that was a that was a that was a comedy at some point. I mean, I have no idea what was going on, but let's go back and talk. I mean, I think when you watch the Raiders, I don't know why they the Ravens were watching Bill in the wave at right tackle and they didn't put somebody else in the game. Like, were they watching a different game than I? He couldn't block. He couldn't block Crosby. At some point, you got to help the player out, right? And if the player can't block a guy, you got to help him out. I think the Ravens, from a tactical standpoint, really made a huge mistake. You know, they kicked the winning field goal. They took the clock all the way down as far as they could when they didn't get the first down. And they kicked the field goal. There's 36 seconds left to go. Now, the Raiders had two kickoff returns in the game for 33 yards total. So you have to kick that ball in bounds. Oh. you got to high kick it. you got to kick it in bounds. And you got to make them return it. You got to make them return it. That's a play. So now, if you could pin them in the inside the twenty, or even if they get the ball to twenty-three or the twenty-eight, who cares? There's twenty-nine seconds, maybe thirty seconds on the clock. Mm. You just let that thing slip away. They they let the ball go through, and now they have the ball to twenty-five, and they got a chance. And and then I just think to me, you know, I think the Ravens got exhausted. I think the heat, the humidity, the whole essence of the game. They got tired. But the Raiders' defense, I think when they play against a good passing game, they're going to have a lot of troubles because they're going to be able – you can protect against them, and then I think you're going to be able to throw. That 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 Ravens' passing game, to me, still needs a lot of work. Hey, uh, just quick follow-up about the kickoff thing with the time. That is a brilliant thought and brilliant take because you are wasting the clock way in. If it's six seconds, probably down to 30 or whatever. The only thing is what? If they house call that, you're an idiot? Is that what everybody's saying? Right, but I mean, look, they had two other returns, and for two other returns, they combined for 33 yards. 
And Ravens have a great special teams. I mean, the Ravens have a right. great special team. I mean, like, look, team. guys, we're going to go cover this kick. We're going to pin their asses back. They're not going to come out. We're going to win the game right here. I mean, if I give you the ball to 25 and you've got 36 seconds, right, if I were doing the TV game, I would say, okay, we're six plays, guys. we got six plays we got to defend. 36, six in the third. Last time I checked, six in the 36 was six, right? So you got six plays, all right? <laughs> Two of them are going to be spikes. So we're going to have to defend four plays here. So how are we going to do it? If I can cut down a play, that clock is meaningless. All that clock tells me is how many plays are left in the game. Okay. So, and by the way, they got, for the Raiders, they got two massive legs kicking for them. Not that Tucker isn't. Tucker is a robot, a machine. Daniel Carlson, though, hits that 55-yarder to put that thing in there. If they back that thing up in there inside the 15 on that kickoff, that's a different game, right? I mean, granted, the routes will be run different and everything like that, but he's got a massive leg. You make him have to hit from 60, though. That's a much different mental game. I think he still makes it, but it is. there's a lot of that little shit that happens early in the season you hope to get cleaned up late, but I'm impressed by that Raider squad finishing him off. Hey, this guy was bullied into making a bet last night. Ooh. Yeah, I know you're not going to love this. That tone did. He knows. So he had to do it last year. He didn't love making picks on Mondays or Thursday all the time. He gets it. Uh, this upcoming weekend, Bengals, Bears, Rams, Colts, Broncos, Jags, Vikings, Cards, Titans, Seahawks, Chief Ravens. These are all matchups of teams that looked good versus teams that did not look good. How do we go about in a mindset at looking at week two as far as looking at some of these games where one of the teams did not look good versus one of them did? I think you have to really watch the tape. I think you can watch the watch the Atlanta Philly tape. Everybody's going to say Atlanta was terrible. They were bad. Atlanta drives the ball to the opening kickoff down the field. They stumble in the red zone. The next drive, they get too many penalties, and then they fall apart in the second half. They really did. It was a 7-6 game that kind of got away from them. Their penalties, their mistakes, they weren't as bad as that score, right? So you've got to balance that. Like Cincinnati wins the game. I mean, Joe Burrow, I'm watching the tape right now. Joe Burrow got, had a fight for his life. I mean, he was getting run around. He got sacked. Like, you got to take the games and divorce yourself from the score, you know, and say, okay, here's what really happened. Like the Washington football team, everybody says, you know, they're great on defense, Pat. They're great on defense. They're the most incredible defensive front we've ever seen in football. They gave up 73% of the third downs on Sunday. Ooh. They gave up 470-some yards. I mean, how are you a great defense when 73% of the third downs get converted? Well, how are you a great defense when, you know, you give up 470 yards? I mean, you can't use those words. Well, so their, their fans really were getting the their fans yeah. were getting poop water raining. Yeah, right, their tough. fans were getting poop water raining on them in the stadium. So maybe that rained on maybe the, the entire place. <laughs> how about hey, speaking of the Chargers and Washington game, how about that five minute drive at the end? Beautiful. I mean, four minute offense there to take care of that game. I mean, what the Chargers were able to do is whatever they want to do. That team looked unbelievable. I thought. It really did, and Washington didn't look like they were in great shape. I mean, they're coming back now on a short week. you got to worry about them. The Giants beat them twice last year. I will say this after the Monday night game. I, I don't know if either Raiders or the the Ravens are going to be the – it's a little bit like Frazier and Ali and Manila. Either fight are going to be ready to fight the next fight. I mean, that's going to be a hard one. Yeah, especially after five quarters of football mm -hmm. yeah. in the desert. Okay. Yeah. Raiders come to Heinz. Ooh. Next week? Oh, yeah. That's a long road. But this is what the Raiders do, by the way. They'll win this game somehow. And No, they, not against yeah. I mean, Mike Tomlin's still coaching. Yeah. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you so much, Lombo. Thanks for the insight. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate being back. Hey, talk we, soon. Hey, well, well, maybe. Maybe we'll talk soon. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Michael Lombardi. Yeah! yeah! 
So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that there's big news from our favorite home security company. Simply Safe just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. That's right. Simply Safe, the system that U.S. News and World Report names the best home security system of 2021. Not a day, not a week, not a month. Best home security system of the whole damn year. It just got even better somehow. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. It has an ultra wide 140 degree field of view so you can keep watch over your entire yard. It has 1080p HD resolution with an 8x zoom. That means you can zoom in and clearly see things like faces, license plates, and capture critical evidence that you might possibly need. It is built-in spotlight with Keller Night Vision, so you can keep an eye on what's going on day or night. It's super simple to set up and usually just takes minutes, and it has an easy-to-remove rechargeable battery, so it doesn't need an outlet and can go anywhere on your property. Simply Safe is amazing. We've had it in our office in our homes for years now. The fact that they were able to create this type of tech to keep it simple and keep it safe is a beautiful thing. And right now, to learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com slash McAfee. That's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service for free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash McAfee. Nobody has to come in your house to set this up. You set it up yourself. There's no invasive anything. You go to an app. You see all the cameras. They record for you. If you're looking to get a security system, this is the one to get. Now with the outdoor camera being wireless, it's an unbelievable thing. Shout out to Simply Safe. Shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. From one of his yuppie events, ladies and gentlemen, college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, and legitimately might have been at the Met Gala last night. Ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hawk. Is that where you were? Uh, no, I'm on the wrong wrong side of the country. I was not at the Met Gala. I didn't even know it was around until I saw what AOC's picture popping up <laughs> online. So yeah, I'm she, not, that was not my thing. The Met Gala does not seem like it would be my uh, my event. She wants to tax you and everybody else that was at Met Gala at a different level, but they'll all find loopholes, and the people that were once broke and got rich will end up getting fucked. Son of a bitch. Dirty system. Because <laughs> we don't know the games that uh-huh. they all know. Everybody wants to tax, tax. Hey, tax, all right, I'll pay my own fair share. But these motherfuckers saying take 90. You're not taking 90% from everybody. I know that. Yeah, I assume AOC was also just, you know, backstage saying, yeah, you see my address? I'm just fucking with you. I'm not going to tax any of you. Don't worry. I don't know. I've sacrificed a lot of my life to hopefully make it. And <laughs> I do not love this. Like, take every fucking dollar that person has. It's like, <laughs> all right, fuck off. What are we doing here? I thought we were all trying to get rich. Is that not what we're all trying to do mm-hmm. here? But they'll, they'll have, the, anyways, why'd you have to do that? Why'd you have to do that? Why is that how you wanted to start this whole thing? Well, I didn't even think of the Met Gala, honestly. That that was never a... I don't know. You bringing it up, that's all I know of the Met Gala is the picture I saw of that. So I'm like, oh, the Met Gala happened, I guess. Well, and then Kanye unfollowed Kim, but Kim and Kanye were allegedly together last night at the Met Gala. Whoa! Yeah, my wife was keeping up with Lil Nas X had three outfits. Oh, really? Yeah, one of them was a robot outfit. Really? And then he took that off, and there was another one underneath. He won video of the year on Sunday night. Did he really? MGK almost ate a uh, Conor McGregor uh, left there, but it didn't even blink. No. No. Mm -mm. 
That's good pop culture talk. And uh, <laughs> this is the Fat Mac for Show. Let's talk about some sports. Did you want, I know you're at your little yuppie affair, doing whatever you got to do, okay? Uh, Politic and shaking whatever hand. Did you get to see Monday Night Manning last night? And what were your thoughts on the weekend that was since we missed you yesterday? I was actually flying out here. I got to see the game, but I didn't get to see the alternate broadcast of Peyton. Uh, I, I saw you guys tweeting about it. I saw a lot of people tweeting about the, the Manning broadcast and how awesome it was. Like, was the whole thing great? Like, how was the setup? I saw pictures and some clips like this. It looks amazing. But, like, how did it go, I guess, from start to finish? Well, there's. I think you should just view this as an internet. It's an internet show that's happening. So there's going to be some things that maybe don't go great. There's going to be some things that are fantastic. There's a lot of time that's potentially – there was some – there was some downtime in the third and fourth quarter, actually, while you're just you're literally just watching a football game with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. And, and the way Peyton Manning watches a football game, much different than me. I, I, <laughs> I don't know how you watch a football game, but the way they did was much different. The amount of shit we learned, I assume you know all this shit that they're talking about, you can understand, but the way it was all chatted about, it was just very fascinating, AJ. It felt like I took a trip inside your brain a little bit, middle linebacker, all-time leading tackler for the Packers while watching the game. Ray Lewis stopped by. They were talking about a lot of shit that I don't think ever gets talked about by anybody else. I, I'm, I love watching that stuff because I learn things every single time I watch a guy like Peyton talk or Ray Lewis or you just see, I guess, how they watch a game. And that's isn't that the point of that broadcast? Like, hey, it feels like I'm just sitting on the couch watching a game with Peyton and Eli and all of his famous Hall of Fame friends that want to come by and join on the phone. So, yeah, I think they uh, I guess they, they accomplished what they wanted to do. Right. So now they're going to do 10 games. So it seems like this one was a pretty big hit. Yeah, and it feels like that 10 games might get renegotiated, I assume. I, I, unless Peyton doesn't want to. They were up till what, like midnight, 12.30 yeah, or whatever. Who knows? And you have to – they probably have to change their schedule, by the way, to be as awake as possible for that game as opposed to during the day. So who knows how long they'll commit to it. But I think it was a incredible delight, as is having you join us, A.J. Hawk. Uh, big takeaway from last night, obviously, Raiders get a win. Ravens and Lamar Jackson look like Lamar Jackson. The Ravens have so many injuries, though, they're going to have to figure that out. They were still in that thing. Felt like both teams were kind of trying to give it away towards the end. What's your big takeaway on the Raiders? They're going to win some games this mm -hmm. year, just like they do every year. Then something catastrophic is going to happen. Let's hope not. But what has happened is something catastrophic happens. They lose a bunch of games. Everybody's like, oh, this is the Raiders. Should they blow it up? And then we'll get back into next year. And it's like, there's zero guaranteed dollars for Derek Carr next year. Mm -hmm. Who knows what's going to be happening in Mark Davis's house. What was your big takeaway from the game after watching it, AJ? Well, it was good to see Woodson up there. I know Woodson's got a new what whiskey bourbon he's got going on with Mark Davis. The cheers, it seemed to work out perfectly for him. But I read something afterwards. Didn't they tell Derek Carr, hey, this is like a microcosm of your life in the NFL, your NFL career. Like Started out, was, was a bit shaky, and then found a way to, to get a win. So, yeah, it seems like a, a Raiders kind of win. I know Gruden made some comments like that afterwards, so he doesn't like to play like that. But they have some studs. Darren Waller, I love that dude. Darren Waller's so good. You cut out right now. What, what are you laughing at? Well, you cut out right in the middle of your answer. I mean, oh, your man. internet stinks. Surprise, I mean, surprise. It follows you. You're in a, a Motel 6, and you were at the Met Gala last night. I mean, it's My internet is way faster here than at home, by the way. <laughs> your what? Internet. Internet. Well, I'm talking about the background setup in that. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Yeah, it's a, it's a wall because I don't want to give the window here. How long are you, uh, how long are you in this... You know, it kind of looks like you're in a hostage video yeah. right now. It kind of looks like. I mean, pretty good lighting. But Are you in Guantanamo? Are you okay? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm scheduled to fly home tomorrow morning very early, so we'll see. If I don't get back to Ohio, then you guys know, send help for me. Please. Okay, when you get back to Ohio, since you haven't been there the last couple of days, we can't really ask you because Michael Lombardi just told us that he had a source in from Columbus yep. in the NFL tell him, like, hey, 
Urban USC. And, and I don't know if this is punditry. I don't know if this was like guessing and all oh, makes too much sense because they're saying there's no reason for USC to fire this guy right now. There is no reason at all for them to do this. They could have, they've let him survive much more than this. Them saying, hey, you're gone. Is that them like all year getting a chance to kind of search and find what they want? Or Michael Lombardi is suggesting that they did it right now because they think there's an opportunity right now. That is what he's alluding to. You're in Columbus normally. Now you're in a hostage video. What is your thoughts on this and what are you hearing in Columbus, especially from maybe within the building from a good friend of yours that you shared a cereal box with? Is there any truth you think to any of this or is this all just kind of coincidence? I, uh, I'm not hearing anything about this or that this was like a, a real possibility. Uh, it's definitely interesting that the firing of Clay Helton, but I definitely have a couple buddies that I could send a text to to see if there's any real truth to this. Like if Urban, the question is, would Urban ever want to do it? Would Urban leave? Send it yesterday. When would Urban leave to go right take now. this job if he goes to USC? When? When does that happen? End of the season. Uh, I don't know if it's end of the season. I don't know if it's right now. That'd what, be awesome. Saban did this, right? Didn't Saban just get Petrino did this Petrino, as well? Petrino, Petrino left mm-hmm. early. Yeah, Petrino left early. Saban didn't leave early. Petrino left before uh, the season ended. Uh, I thought they both did. In my head, and it's wrong, and I will get it corrected for future times, Petrino and Saban both somehow, in my head, the way I've envisioned it and just kind of dreamed up at this point is, I'm fucking out of here. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. just leaving almost. Like Belichick did to the Giants. The Jets. Jets on the uh, napkin. Yep. <laughs> Petrino, I thought that's what Petrino did. I thought that's what Saban did. So I guess this wouldn't be like the first time ever, but after one game, after everything that's gone on with the con saying, hey, we're going to build up all of downtown to become basically Jaguar City down here. I mean, that would be a lot of investment. I need new buildings. I need to do this. This is what we're going to do. And then he just leaves. How's the, how's the contract work, though? How's the six-year contract work, I think, that he has? Do they at USC pays? Hey, we'll pay you $80 million to get him out of that. How's you it work? You know how much money USC graduates are paying to get their fucking dumbass kids into school? <laughs> <laughs> if they can get Urban Meyer and get USC back on top, they'll pay Whatever, Massimo will go f- sell two million tank tops, <laughs> yeah, and say, "Let's get fucking Urban in here, pal." I-, I think that is that type of power of bringing a school, which some of these alumni, yourself included, and I wish I had this. This would be cool, but some of these alumni, Chris Bickle, okay, nineteen ninety seven at University of Pittsburgh. Sure. Name, uh, name somebody other than him. Other Ro- than him, Rocket Mortgage else. guy, Dan mm-hmm. Gilbert. Dan Gilbert, like the Cleveland Cavs. Some of these very wealthy individuals have a lot of pride in like their alma maters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I was created here. I was created here. And whenever they gather around all the other successful fucks. I would assume if you don't go to, like, the smartest school, the only thing you can really say is, like, hey, our football team fucking just kills your football team. (laughs) You know, like, I think that is a big thing that happens in these events that you're probably going to tonight and uh, last night or whatever. I feel like that's a real thing. If you get the right person who just so happens to be from a school who just hits it rich and gets a bunch of money and they're like, I want our team to be good. Oh, and I can buy every recruit and our coach now? Yeah, we're going to be good. That's what we're going to do. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody from USC to get Urban Meyer, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'm just saying if this was to happen, I would not be surprised if Massimo, you know, and, and some of the others that we learned about in that um, that enrollment, backdoor, side door. T-Boone Pickens? Yeah, whoever. <laughs> are you looking up? No, no, I, just, I was just thinking of guys that I knew. Oklahoma was, State. Yeah, he was he, the biggest did he one. Did die? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he's dead. But I'm just saying, like, USC... Snoop Dogg, what if if you hired Snoop to be the head coach? That that would make waves. Hey, Snoop Dogg has been a coach. I've seen him coaching. Yes, uh, Coach Snoop. Friday night. Dion, hey, the doors are open for Dion. Oh, at USC? Hey, imagine him. You're telling me that dude can't bring the, the... 
all the, yep. the celebrities back to the sidelines. If anyone can do it, Dion can. He can recruit, man, for sure, especially at USC. What if Mike Bone, who? Mike Bone, who? who? Mike Bone, who? the current athletic director for USC, uh, was at Cincinnati, was the one who brought in, obviously, Coach uh, Fickle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was Bickle. That's Chris Bickle. Yeah, Chris, Chris Bickle, Chris Bickle, Bickle class of 1997. Luke Bickle. I think Luke is class of 97 from Ohio State, if that counts. Okay, so Fickle and Bickle there, Cincinnati and Pitt, but at University of Cincinnati, Mike Bone, who he was the guy who brought in Luke Fickle as the athletic director and also fought off a lot of other schools that were trying to get yeah. Fickle and built up the University of Cincinnati. Now, now I'm not 100 sure what he did with all the other sports, but he told us, hey, I used to be all clipboard quarterback i played catch with him seemed like a cool dude he gets the athletic director job for usc immediately after that and i automatically assume hey this guy's gonna make a move like mike bone is gonna make a move he seemed to get it when i talked to him if it makes sense like it seemed like he got it i don't know how old buddy kept his job for so long or whatever, but i feel like mike bone is a guy that would go in there and say like i'm I'm sick of this team stinking and trying and hoping to make the right decision. But I guess all eyes are on USC right now. If if Coach Prime goes there, I'm fucking pumped for USC yeah. again all of a sudden. I think because of their previous relationship, too, as of right now, I believe Fickle is the favorite to get the USC job. Oh, no. The, be- the betting favorite, at least. They get into the Big what 12. Would he take it? Would he take it, though? That's I don't, I'm not 100% sure he would take the job. Hey, why don't you text him? Text him. Yeah, find out. What are the odds on uh, Coach JB? Where's he at? I mean, he is a California USC guy. <laughs> That's who we need. He said, oh, these fucking quarterbacks are in my backyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Coach JB was not happy about that Florida State kid proposing. Oh, man. After losing to Jacksonville State. I mean, by the way, I don't think I am either. No. On that. Now, he probably couldn't wait. He was excited for forever in his fairytale moment. But, I mean, Hail Mary to win that thing against your team. You can't be. That's not what you want to remember forever, I don't think. But I guess their love conquers all. They say love That's conquers right. all. Say that. Not Co- that one. Love would not conquer that for me. I do not think I could continue to propose after that kind of game if I lost. Bro, imagine when they talk about You were the guy that proposed? Yeah, my game. We lost last second to Jacksonville yeah. State. But we did. she did say yes. Yeah. Like, who cares? Especially, I think he was an offensive lineman, too. Uh, yeah. Huh? I'm like, Player. offensive linemen are not supposed to be happy ever. Like, from the offensive linemen I know, they don't tend to be a happy bunch. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a, hey, here we go. We're loving life. Especially after a game or losing. You know, like, that is... I hey, what if, uh, what if one of Saban's guys did that? You think he'd be on the oh, squad man. still? No. What's Norvell going to do? He's a big family-oriented guy, though. Norvell uh-huh. loves having a family He's in He's in the a build. tough spot. He's in a terrible spot. You're right, because if he tries to, like, get upset... It, yeah, he's just in a bad spot. You can't do much about it, I don't think. Yeah, Coach JB said, hey, uh, I'm not offering full scholarships until they pass my test. Yeah. <laughs> What's my test? Are you going to get fucking engaged <laughs> after we lose? Like, I think that is fair enough to ask, but Norvell's got that guy on his roster. I assume he knows that that's potentially going to happen. I think that's a bigger personality trait as opposed to just that moment, right? Not listen, congrats to that guy he loves. Yeah. Hey, congrats Ooh, to you or whatever. did it. I just don't think that guy would ever be really my friend if I was a teammate of his. But, oh. hey, everybody, the locker room has a lot of different styles of people, I guess. Well, and that's the thing. You just said it. I'm blaming the rest of the offensive line for not grabbing him immediately after the game and saying, hey, don't you fucking propose to your girlfriend tonight. We fucking lost, pal. You're in college. She has no idea you're actually going to do this. You can do this next week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's win a goddamn game first. Okay, there's no, like, you're not blowing a surprise. Nobody's like, hey, he's actually going to propose to you. You're in college. Nobody's really expecting <laughs> yeah. that. Like, no, especially if 
Florida State, I don't think. Yeah. No offense to him. I don't know him at all other than the picture I saw of Jacksonville State in the yeah. background. Mm -hmm. I, that's all I could see, that whole thing. But, man. What a scene there. Coach JB, though, is in L.A. I wonder if Mike Bone will give him an interview. They better. And what if JB goes in there, suit, you know? Oh, yeah. Ooh, plays the game. Yeah. Sir? <laughs> buttoned up. <laughs> I just don't see JB buttoned up ever, if that's even ever happened for him. That's a, hey, why don't you go get that job, AJ? No, Coach Prime needs that. Thing. Yeah, that'd be perfect. It's got to be a big time. You have to hire a big name to try to bring, mm -hmm. like, the, the relevance back. It has to be almost like a quasi-celebrity. And if you don't make a splash hiring, I think a lot of the people, now you could still become good. I'm not saying you won't become good if it's not a big splash hiring, but I think you lose a lot of people immediately in L.A. if it's not a big splash. And that might be a a broad brush stereotype of LA, but it seems like you they got to be interested. Like, yeah. It, it oh, yeah. Seems There's like, so much shit going on out there. <laughs> you got LA Chargers and LA Rams out there. Both teams are fucking unbelievable. The Lakers just added all these guys. <laughs> like, UCLA's been good. Like, the they, only thing you have is your alumni that just hold USC in such high regard. <laughs> yeah. and you you gotta, have to win. You just have to win every game. Like, you really fun. do, and you have to create some some kind of buzz, some kind of like LA buzz that makes people want to go there. That was, I don't, you were probably too young, Pat, but when they were rolling, like I'm the same age as Liner and Reggie, they were, all we ever would hear is that, oh yeah, these guys are going recruiting, they were recruiting visits and Will Ferrell's popping up and these celebrities, like they just, they used LA for what it is and that's how they helped like build that mystique around them. Now I know Pete Carroll may have left with some questions going on in the program, mm. but like they were rolling for a long time and they were the place that people wanted to be. Yeah, some guy, I think he either took a visit to USC and then he was at West Virginia the weekend I was there and I was having a blast, man. And uh, this guy said, uh, Paris Hilton was out with us last week at USC or whatever. <laughs> And I was like, oh, cool, man. I think they got 50-cent shots down here. <laughs> I don't know if they got that. I don't know if they – he did not come to uh, uh, West Virginia. He, he, he chose say. USC. Yeah, but those USC stories were legendary. I, I was – I'm slightly younger than you, obviously, but Ray, Clay, Cush. I mean, that entire crew right there was same exact class as me, you know? I got Taylor to Mays. Remember Taylor Mays? Yeah. Right? Killing people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to hang out with him at the Senior Bowl. Cool. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Feely Moala over there. Fucking love that guy. He got drafted to the Colts. I mean, they were a cool group of dudes, and the stories and folklore around that thing was huge. And then it came out to what? Pete Carroll was just paying everybody? Yeah, just cheating. He's a fucking cheater. Yeah. Trojan War talk. Hey, chewing that gum, giving great interviews, mm -hmm. cheating. Yeah. Bullshit. What's he doing? Taking McDonald's bags, which is what I was looking for earlier. <laughs> you know, like Jeremy. What did come out of all that? What, I, what ended up like because he left Reggie he didn't lost get any sanctions on him right yeah. yeah Reggie loses his Heisman um, and it. Pete Carroll goes to Seattle and then they just stop the end. you can't ever coach down here again right, you got, I'm going to uh, sure Bob here <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, yeah. what did he do Working him, did he work him too hard like was it an hour no, I, I think it almost was all like recruiting violations wasn't yeah. it yeah but was it even him was it or was it outside boosters? Did they, did they just find a lot more players were getting benefits, or how was he facilitating all this? Hey, we never got to the bottom of that. I don't think ever, huh? It was just always the same. No. Oh, he cheated. He yeah. cheated. He yeah. had to go he's to the a NFL. genius. He's a genius. Why not? Hey, if things are getting a little too hot, let's just get take an NFL gig. And if I win at this NFL gig, people aren't really going to mention what happened at USC. It's a little hot in this kitchen. I think so. I'm gonna go and get my own culinary <laughs> chef. I'm gonna go uh, right over here. I'm gonna go bigger, badder, better here. I'm gonna get a commercial kitchen all of a sudden. And he Guy did, Fieri, yeah. 
Triple D. Hell yeah. I saw Guy Batali's, Fietti. Batali's around. Too, I okay. saw uh, Guy Fietti down at uh, the Kentucky Derby one time. <clears throat> and uh, Guy Fietti told me right to my face he'd make me famous while he had a camera on me. And that, it was a hell of a night. And uh, shout out to Guy for, you know, trying that night. It was years ago, years ago, and we haven't made it yet. But I still think there's a chance. And that type of thing is the only thing that can happen down there at Kentucky Derby. You know, it's magical. There's this incredible positive energy. Everybody's having a good time drinking an absolutely dog shit drink called mint juleps. I mean, it is a party from beginning to end. AJ Hawk is there normally with Aaron Rodgers. In joining us now, ladies and gentlemen, another frequent Kentucky Derbyer. A man who just in stating that, you can immediately understand Probably a fucking legend. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, quarterback in the NFL for a long time, Matt Castle. Yeah! 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 What's, up? What's up, dude? Dude, it's great to be on. I know you guys have been trying to get me on this show for a long time, and I've been, you know, <laughs> sidetracked. Let's be honest, I had to call your show and ask if I can come on. Thanks for having me, boys. Uh, it's an honor for us to have you on, and I hope you did not call us to come on because that makes us feel bad because we have legitimately been telling AJ, hey, we need you to tell Matt Castle yeah. to come on the show. And just like every other thing, AJ Thanks, tells AJ. nobody shit. Yeah, did he ever say that to you? Anything to you? No. No, he didn't tell me that at all. I mean, unbelievable, AJ. <laughs> I thought we were boys. You know, speaking of the Derby, I see you yearly at that Derby and it's a blast. We have a good time, but no phone calls after that. I'm dead to him. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all good. It's yeah, all good, a, dude. That's AJ Hawk. By the way, AJ Hawk. Yeah. Hey, uh, McAfee, I heard it's your mom's birthday. Happy birthday to Mama McAfee, right? Happy birthday, Sal. AJ, AJ, you've been on for fucking 25 minutes. Nothing's a Sal. Shout out to you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, Yeah, Matt. Happy birthday, Suze. Happy birthday, huh? And then we got, is Boston Connor there? Is Boston Connor there? Matty! Hey, buddy, first. Don't take any crap from anybody, all right? The hair flows sick. And let's be honest, Mac Jones is going to be a beast, dude. I'll Hell yeah. I'll yeah. yeah. Let's go, man. Let's go. Hey, that doesn't happen often. That's a big deal right there. Both AJ calling my mother the wrong name. Her name is Sally, okay, and she's a saint. And also you putting over Boston Connor. That never happens. No. Let's dive right yeah. into this, Matt, if you don't mind. I, by the way, we appreciate the hell out of you, and you can come on anytime you want. We'd be lucky to have you. But let's talk about your time at the Patriots right there. Bill Belichick, yeah. widely regarded as greatest coach and GM of all time. Whenever you leave there and go play elsewhere, is there any noticeable difference, or what is really the it factor? Is it just his big-ass brain and the way they operate, or what is it you think that has made New England so successful for so long? Oh, hell yeah. There, there's a major shift when you go from the New England Patriots. That Just that system, the protocol, how they go about things. Like They're so meticulous on every detail. Even going back to offseason, you know, I went to Kansas City my first year, and I'm thinking, okay, everybody does kind of a similar regimen. You're, you're going out on the field. You're running two-minute drills in, like, the middle of March. You're doing all these different things and watching, breaking down opponents that you might face early in the season. Dude, there's nothing like it. And then all of a sudden you get to another organization, you're like, whoa, that's not what we do. We go through basic install. You kind of get there. I'm like, are we going to start watching, like, week one opponent at any point? No, we'll get there when, you know, we'll start that when we get there. It's just, huh. it's a machine, and it's the preparation that they do and how they go about it, man. It's uh, it's pretty incredible to be part of that organization and actually be in that building and then go elsewhere and understand that not everybody does it the same way. Hey, Matt, why is uh, Belichick able to, I guess, how is he able to do that? Why, do, why don't other teams do that? Or they just can't be as successful? Like, was it obviously he and Tom together kind of built that thing, but why can't other teams duplicate that? 
Well, it's hard because, you know what, not everybody has, like, the leadership. And also, when you have Tom Brady for 20 years, right, there's there's a standard of excellence. He's there, obviously. But the way that Belichick goes about the week, like, on Tuesdays, they used to call the quarterbacks in. And I wasn't privy to these, like, these meetings early on. But he used to go in, and then he allowed me to come into this meeting, and he'd sit there and break down every DB that they had on their defense, right? This guy's strengths is he's got long speed, but he struggles in quickness. This guy has tremendous quickness, but you can throw the ball up on him. He'd even break down safeties. Like if we had a shot on with Randy Moss one-on-one on a safety, just throw it up, give him an opportunity because he'll go make the play. Or even talked about the dynamics of – Kevin Falk on a linebacker and doing stuff like that. So it was an incredible meeting. And then by the time you got to like that Wednesday and you went in and you started actually putting in the install, you understood how you wanted to attack a certain defense. So the preparation was far, far beyond and above anywhere else I'd ever been. You ended up at the Titans, obviously, and I got a chance to witness your legendary self and warm-ups, your mustache, just everything. Your aura is a beautiful one. I mean, it is really a positive one and an awesome one. I could even see it from across the sideline there. But Vrabes, I mean, what the fuck happened? Hey, the Tennessee Titans have a great roster right now. In the Arizona, is it the Arizona Cardinals are that good? What is Vrabes, you think, saying as a head coach to his team? Because we've obviously never been in a team where Mike Vrabel is the head coach. We can imagine what it's like. We can appreciate that. But what do you think he's saying to the team after what happened against the Cardinals this past weekend? He's saying, thank God we don't have to block Chandler Jones again. It's the number one thing he's saying. Because... <laughs> My God, did that guy, whoever did his bicep surgery, he came back strong, boy. Yeah. I'm telling you, the Cardinals came out, and they just could, they couldn't get anything going offensively for the Titans. And then Chandler Jones was just wreaking havoc all day long. And then on the other side of the ball, you got Kyler Murray just dissecting that defense for the Tennessee Titans. He went out, played well, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, they had it just rolling all day long. So, Braves, it's one of two, two strategies, right, as a head coach. You go in and you completely lambaste your team, let them know how awful they are, make them feel worse, or you kind of taper that back a little bit and you go in and you say, look, we got to make these corrections and you got a lot of corrections to be made, but then you got to basically bury the tape and move on and move on to your next opponent and say, this was the first game of the year. We never want to look like that again, but we got to immediately make adjustments to get ourselves back on track. Hey, so you played with Mike Vrabel and then you also, you played for him when he was the head coach of Tennessee. And I've, I've known Braves forever, been around you guys together. You seem to be very, very close. Like, what was it like I've heard playing stories. for a guy that you're hey, I've heard you're stories. buddies with? I've heard stories. Well, <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was planning on playing for Vrabel. So he got the head coaching job. The year before he came out to Tennessee, stayed at my house. The year he came in, guess what they did? They released the cast dog. Are you kidding me? Whoa. I go in, it's off season. I'm going in to year 14, fired up. My best bud, who I was in New England with. I'm in New England. We get traded to Kansas City. I've known the guy forever. I know his family, was next door neighbors with him in Kansas City. So I'm like, okay, I'm in a pretty good position here. I'm thinking to make the team, right? Obviously, I got to, you know, go out there and perform. But nonetheless, offseason gets there, and I get a phone call from John Robinson. Go in. Guess what? By the way, you're, uh, we're going to release you. We're going to go a different direction. And Brable was nowhere to be found. So at that point, <laughs> I walk out of the meeting, and I'm like, where's Mike Vrabel right now? Am I supposed to go find him in the thing? So I get in my car and I'm like driving home. I got to make the call to the wife, honey, uh, change of plans here. We just bought that house, but we're still, we're, we're going to go to another team. And then he calls me. I'm like, 
where the hell were you? Why didn't you do it? I was so pissed <laughs> off at him. So I never actually got to play for Vrabel. That's a great story. Thanks for bringing that up. Oh, <laughs> wow. It stung. It stung right here. It stung right here. Hey, I well, couple quick things, AJ. I mean, we have to address a couple things. Yeah. Okay. The cast dog is that? Is the cast dog what your friends call you? Uh, yes, that's what the, the friends call me. So, I mean, I did kind of, you know, throw that out there. I apologize. <laughs> I'm not usually a self-promoter. No, no, no. Anytime you have a name like Cast Dog reference alongside yourself, you should let others know that because I'll t- in the middle of that incredible story of, you know, a lack Despair. of loyalty on uh-huh. him. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that whole thing. I mean, Rabe said first things first. Listen, you got to cut that fucking guy. He's my neighbor. We're <laughs> trying to win some games. I, he, he knows too much. He knows too much. If you got to cut the cast dog so I can rally in the locker room, that's all right with right. me. But I appreciate you doing it. I did lose track 15 to 20 seconds, though, thinking about just the cast dog yeah. in different situations, oh. like the Kentucky Derby, for mm-hmm. instance. I bet mm. you the cast dog is an electrifying. Oh, oh my yeah. God! WMD, Ooh. let's go! Cool. It's a, it's a, it's a good time that Derby. And by the way, Guy Fieri was there one year, and we went out, and all of a sudden he asked me one of these times after the Derby, after the mint juleps and all that. Stuff to go cook with him. We go and he finds a restaurant and we go in and we're cooking risotto. And I thought these professional chefs, right? I'm sitting there going, hey, what do you want me to do? And he's like, we're putting in like all the ores and all this stuff, right? And he, he's sweating in the pot, like, cooking oh. and he's like, let's go serve this up. And I'm sitting there going, what is going on right now? I'm sitting here cooking after the Kentucky Derby for a bunch of people with Guy Fieri. I'm just going, this is insane brother cast dog oh, yeah only at the derby what only time was that derby. what time was that roughly in the day you think if you had to guess oh i'm guessing 9 nine thirty at night i was holding on for dear life boy what are we doing at boston connor please yeah cast dog first of all you know thank you for one of the greatest 11 and 5 seasons in new england history it was fantastic but we saw a photo of you with uh Coach Sirianni in Kansas City. How is he as a coach? And uh, are you a big fan of him and the Eagles and what they got going on over there? Oh, I love Nick Sirianni. When I was with him in Kansas City, he was basically our first-year assistant coach. And it was interesting because that year I come in and Chan Gailey's our offensive coordinator. Well, guess what they decide to do? Literally right after the last preseason game, they fired Chan Gailey. So we don't have an offensive coordinator. Todd Haley comes, takes over. But Nick now gets pushed into the spot of being our quarterback coach for the season. This is a first-year guy, so he we're, we're working through it. But he's a smart, smart guy. He obviously has grown up in the league, whether it's San Diego, Colts. He's learned his crap. He's ready to lead these guys. It'll be great for uh, Jalen Jalen Rhodes and uh, I mean I did I say Jalen Rhodes. Hey, I'm hey, sorry. just a quick thing, hey, hey, Cast yeah. Dog, Cast Dog, just a quick yeah, thing. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is who you meant. Jalen Rose That's is exactly right. Jalen Rose's barber cut my hair on Friday. Whoa. In Madison Square. High and tight. Hey, Dr. Authentic. Yeah, he did this. And by the way, he was Let, going to work. Yeah, it was wow. pretty good. Jalen Rose always in. So you actually helped us out there. I'm sorry, AJ. Go ahead, pal. Yeah, Dr. I, Authentic. Shout out, dude. Shout out. Shout out. Hey, Shut hey, Cast Dog, were you surprised at how the Patriots handled the, the Cam Newton situation? Obviously, Mac Jones played well, but did you Ooh. think he was going to get released? No, I didn't think he was going to get released. That was the thing. I, I wasn't shocked by it, but at the same time, I thought that they were going to start the season with Cam Newton and let him kind of see if he could go out and perform with these new weapons that they had. And it, it kind of looked like it was going that way. And obviously, I was there at camp and doing all that, but 
it really it was that last week when Cam missed time for the misunderstanding that took place. And then all of a sudden, Mac Jones, I guess, went out and tore it up during practice against the Giants, and it kind of gave him an opportunity to open the door. And at that point, when they got the season, finally said, we can win with this guy now, and they made that decision, I, I, it had to have come down to the fact that having Cam Newton in the building, a personality like that, his leadership quality, if, if, if Mac Jones struggled at all, I don't think that they wanted the, the dialogue to be, hey, should we go back to Cam Newton, right? Instead, we're going to give him the keys to the car, let him ride or die with this guy and see what happens and see how he develops this year. And I think that's really what it came down to. But I was pretty shocked that they said, you know what, we're going to cut bait and we're, gonna, we're just going to go with, uh, with big old Mac Jones. Oh, oh. Cast Mac off. Jones. Who? Hey, cast off. Mac Jones. Who? Uh, cast Mac off. Jones. Who? Okay, cast off. Um, uh, what is it? That a lot of the conversation was whenever you're a starter and then you have to go to a backup in the same locker room, there's a chance you're almost like cutting a guy off at the knees almost, you know, especially with Cam as the leader. It's, I forget how, like five-star admiral or something going down to a general or something. I, I forget the way it went, but that factored in potentially to the entire thing that like who knows how Cam would be as a backup, especially how beloved he is in that locker room as the starter and in the building as a starter. You're a guy that obviously has seen both sides of it there. Is that something that has to be clearly defined? Like, hey, this is the backup, this is the starter. AJ and I believe it's right for the entire locker room. It makes everybody's life a lot easier if you clearly define the two. For instance, it's going to get loud in Chicago with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Lance and Jimmy's going to get loud. How do you feel like is the proper way to handle that? And is there a lot more to that? Or is there not as much as we're making out to be like this big dramatic bullshit? No, I, I completely agree with you. There's a lot to it. And be, being clearly defined that this guy's the starter, this guy's the backup. But if you ever muddy those waters, it sends an interesting message to that team. And also, it allows them to have the, the, the comments of, hey, is this guy really our guy? He's struggling right now. Should we go back to Cam? And so I, I think having a clearly defined starter is the way to go about it. And I think that's what the Patriots were able to achieve. I've been on the other side, right? I've been a starter and then all of a sudden went into that backup role. And it's one of those things that, you, you know, you always want to play, right? That's, that's what we're there to do. We're out there to go out and compete and, and play. But at the, it's a much different mentality when you're the backup. you got to show so much support for that guy and you got to let him know that you're in his corner because you spend so much time you guys all know every every day you walk in you see the same faces you're in those meetings room with your position group so they've got to know that you've got your back and that you're not actually trying to come up one up them and take their job back so I, I completely understand why the Patriots went the way that they did. We're talking to Pro Bowler Matt Castle obviously been around the NFL a long time now he works for NBC and he is Nicknamed the Cast Dog, and we'll be called nothing other than that, probably for the rest of our friendship, which hopefully is one that'll continue to grow here. Me, you, and Guy Fieri will sweat all over people's food. Hopefully, Just one sweat, yeah. sweat. It added, added a little salt in there. It added a little salt. Oh, ah, that's triple oh. D. Ugh. All right, oh. what do you have there? Cast Dog, being an alumni and one of the biggest USC boosters currently, whose name are you going to throw into the ring for the job opening, or maybe like just you? And Liner and Carson go in there and maybe coach for a few years, win a couple of national championships. That would actually be pretty sick to go back to my alma mater, USC, and go uh, 
go coach those guys up. That would be a lot of fun. But let's be honest, Urban Meyer is going to be one and done in Jacksonville. Then he's going to go out to USC where he's comfortable, where he can manhandle all the kids. It'll be great. We'll, we'll go get Urban Meyer. <laughs> Who, like, how do you know? Have you heard this from anybody other than Michael Lombardi in the internet? Because this is a massive allegation that Urban <laughs> is going to quit on Jacksonville. He had Nick Con- or uh, not Nick Con, sorry, uh, Mr. Con and Tony Con. He had them build up an entire city and build up new buildings and everything and it's good for the Jaguars long term but that felt like that was going to be a relationship for a long time if he was just to be like ah fuck this I'm going back to USC to go to college that would be a massive that would be a huge ordeal do you just want that as a USC alum or is that something you actually foresee coming Castle? I don't know I mean the USC will throw out whatever they want the whole kitchen sink it that guy to bring him in and let's be honest it reminds me a lot of Saban, right? Saban went to Miami, coached for a year, and then finally was like, all right, this isn't for me. I'm going to Alabama. I'm going to go make all the money in the world and be the most dominant coach in the history of collegiate football. So I'm sure Urban Meyer with his – I'm not saying his ego, but I am saying that, look, he's got a reputation to uphold, and he – is going to Jacksonville. It's a rebuilding process. You can already hear the grumblings inside the building amongst the players, maybe even coaching staff, that it's going to be a hard task for him to swallow that pride and just say, look, I've got to battle this thing out for the next three years before we finally get the team that is able to go out there and compete week in and week out and put some division titles on the board. Hey, Cast Dog, so we're having Aaron come on later. Aaron Rodgers will be on. It's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday now, coming off a rough start to the season. If you, I don't know if you watched that game or not with the Packers Saints. The Saints look great. Their defense looked great. Uh, Packers offense couldn't really get anything going. Are there ever are there times when you're playing quarterback and just nobody's open? Like they just blanket your receivers and it's like, hey, the windows are much tighter than they normally are, and I keep, we just can't get anything going. Hell yeah, that's the only time I ever had bad games when our receivers didn't get open. Otherwise, <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? We've all, I mean, as quarterbacks, you go into these games, right? And you could have the best laid out plan, particularly that opening day game is a beast, right? Because they have six months to prepare and dial up all different types of blitzes. They don't show you anything in preseason. You go back, you watch the film from the year before, but things are just different in that first game. You're never truly prepared because you don't have that, all the different film that you can go back and watch week in and week out and watch the matchups. And so sometimes you get in those games and you're like, it's a grind for four quarters, just trying to get something going. And then all of a sudden, you know, bad plays usually happen when you're trying to make a play for the team, especially at the quarterback, because you feel that sense of urgency. Like if we don't get going now, we're going to get blown out of the building. And I'm sure there's part of that as well for every quarterback that you go through. Yeah, he, he had a fuck it. Th- we saw the fuck it throw. I mean, he, yes. you almost heard it coming out of his mouth as he was throwing the ball from the TV copy, and it ended up being a 65-yard interception or something yes, like yes. that. Oh. I mean, what a moment. And, and I think back to Tom Brady on the sideline. What was that two years ago? I need you to be faster, mm-hmm. more explosive. Yes, Just sir. get open. Like, I need it. And last night, the Manning broadcast, I don't know if you saw it. That's all they were. Like, Peyton was celebrating Darren Waller. Make, hey, that a way to make a fucking catch for your quarterback yeah. right there. Like, that type yeah. of stuff and people getting open was – it was interesting listening to a quarterback watch a game because literally it's it's all in your hands, Cast Dog. Oh, Go ahead, Ty. Always is. Cast Dog, you played for several different NFL teams. I'm just curious, what was the shittiest place to live in um, and what was the best <laughs> place to live in? Gosh, you know, every time somebody asks me that, I'm like, oh, man, do I shit on the city? Do I don't want to do no, that. No, you know? no, 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 just one. You know, I'll if say, you have to I'll rank them. 
Okay, under my circumstances, the toughest place to live, I'd say, was Buffalo. Okay, I move in. My <laughs> wife's 34 we- or 32 weeks pregnant at the time. We move into this place. Long story short, there was bad circumstances that happened with the previous owner that we didn't know about. Oh. So I won't get into the details of that because it was, it was pretty ugly. Then we had a mice infestation. Then I got traded two weeks later. So <laughs> this was like just one of those, oh my God, oh my God. And then I get traded. My wife's 34 weeks pre- pregnant to go to Dallas. And then we had to go live in a hotel for a few weeks. That was awesome. Dallas was a good place to live. Minnesota was outstanding. <laughs> Minnesota was outstanding, just cold as hell. I mean, I got in the car when the first snow came in, and then they had like two weeks in a row where they didn't have highs above zero. Look, I'm from California. I lived in some cold weather environments, but that was absolutely insane. Like, <laughs> the weather there, I'm like, what the hell? The, the kids, you, you have to bundle these like kids up, and it's all on you. You're like, God, they're going to be frostbitten. It's going to be awful. Um, but Minnesota was a good place to live. Kansas City, I really enjoyed my time there. Boston was a heck of a city because it's such a sports town, man. I mean, everybody. And we had Boston Red Sox winning the World Series. We had the Celtics winning the cha- NBA championship against the Lakers. That was we a were long time ago. Damn well. Yeah, long a long time ago. ago. That was a long so, time I mean, ago. Uh-uh. Long time ago. Hey, that was but, a long you know, time ago. The cast, I know, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Look how old Cast no, Dog no, is now. That's a long time <laughs> no, ago. Oh, no. Uh, Nashville had to be awesome, though, huh? Nashville's great. We actually ended up staying here. Uh, I mean, that's where we live now. We live in Nashville, and it's awesome. We've got got a little bit of lamb. We got eleven chickens. Are you kidding me? We got eleven. Can't chickens. count them. No. Nope. Can't, can't no. count those before they hatch, though. You know what I mean? No, you should see the eggs that we get. It's delicious. There's nothing like organic eggs from your own farm, guys. Wow. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. I never and then expected got, that from the castle. Yeah, right. Best friends right? in and then my wife's deciding that she wants to get pigs and goats. I don't know why. And then I'm, I've got the task of setting up, like, the fence for a pig. I don't know how to set up a fence for a pig. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm sitting there going, what am I doing right now? I mean, we're, we're homesteading, kind of, kind of. Bro, he's fucking <laughs> He has no idea. Hey, I appreciate you as a human all of a sudden. A lot more than I could have ever fathomed. I knew you were a legend. Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence today. I hope you will come back on a more regular basis. You're the best, man. Thank you for your time. Absolutely, fellas. God bless. Have a great one. Ladies and gentlemen, the cast dog. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to penetrate your ear holes. So happy that Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays are back. Fucking love it, actually. Getting a chance to have that type of conversation with that type of human in this type of environment, it's a beautiful thing. We're incredibly lucky and we're very, very, very grateful for all of you. Once again, if you enjoyed this show, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Hashtag end a pod squad. We're continuing to give away free merch. I think we've given away over 400 pieces of merch, t-shirts basically. But we appreciate you all for listening until the very end. If you're hate listening, cool. If you love this show, thank you so much. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Aaron Rodgers Tuesday evening. We'll be back manana. Cheers.